In the great hall of the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe. Superman. Wonder Woman. Batman. Aquaman. And those three junior super friends, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Their mission, to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. Welcome to episode 65 of the Film 89 podcast. I'm Sky. Hey, podcast, it's me, Neil Gaskin, or is it? Perhaps it's not Neil Gaskin. Perhaps this is some alternative version of Neil Gaskin that'll come out in three years' time. Well, that would be interesting. Hello, everyone. It's Richard Roberts here. Welcome to the first day of spring. It is indeed. Of course it is, yes. And tonight we're going to be discussing a film that's been resurrected from the realms of, at best, mediocrity and, at worst, abject critical failure. That film is, of course, the one everyone's talking about at the moment, 2017's Justice League, which, through a combination of ancient alien technology and dark magic, has been brought back to life, rejuvenated in a new form. Zack Snyder's Justice League. For those who've been maybe living in a cave for the last four years, director Zack Snyder and his producing wife Deborah Snyder, due to a terrible personal tragedy, were forced to abandon Justice League in, I think it was March 2017, which left Warner Brothers to bring in Joss Whedon, who had previously held Marvel Studios' The Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron, to complete the film. Now, Whedon controversially fired Snyder's composer, Junkie XL, and replaced him with Danny Elfman. Uh, Extensive reshoots in London and Los Angeles in mid-2017 added a cost of approximately $25 million to the film's budget. Henry Cavill, who was working on both the Justice League reshoots and Mission Impossible Fallout at the same time, Paramount refused to let him shave off his moustache that he had in Fallout for the Justice League reshoots and as Superman, meaning that Cavill's facial hair had to be digitally removed in post-production. The film was eventually released to, well, I think safe to say a lukewarm critical reception and on a budget of $300 million went on to take a worldwide gross just short of $658 million. However, in the months that followed the film's release, word spread of Snyder's original intentions for the film and reams of Snyder's footage that Wedden and Warner Brothers had discarded in favour of taking the film in an entirely different direction in parts. The swell of fan fervour that followed and the now infamous hashtag released the Snyder Cut and the formation of a movement of sorts resulted in the creation or recreation of the four-hour-long film that we saw released earlier this week on HBO Max in the US and other streaming platforms worldwide. So, gents, before we tackle Snyder's new version of the film, so to put it, let's go back to 2017's version of Justice League and our thoughts on that film. It was a strange time, wasn't it? Because mm. I think ever the optimist, as I, as I am, you know, being such a big Superman fan and what have you, I perhaps went against the grain, a lot of people's grain, and I was really quite positive about Man of Steel, you know, a new Superman for a new generation. I saw, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, there's something that, it was clearly a long origin story for Superman, and, and you know, but I was really hopeful that he had the potential to be a very good Superman, if not a great Superman. And then Batman v Superman came, 
initially I, I sort of quite enjoyed a lot of it. And then, you know, the ending with the issues with, with how their Batman v Superman's uh, issues were resolved, the laughable sequence, you know, where they discover they both have the same uh, mum's first name. And then on, on, on a subsequent rewatch then, I, I think all of my goodwill just fell away. You know, apart from certain standout parts, Wonder Woman being one of them, by and large, it was, it, it felt like, we should have had Man of Steel too. That's what I wanted. It felt like they were rushing, and you know, we we talked about it before how it felt as though you know DC were chasing Marvel's tail and trying to force a team up, trying to force a cinematic universe that Marvel had painstakingly put together. Uh, and then by the time Justice League came about, we were thinking, well, you know, Zack Snyder is committed to to I think was making two films initially, Justice League films. And then obviously yeah. with this personal tragedy yeah. and 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 rumors of issues with Warners and, and issues behind the scenes. And Joss Whedon coming off the back of the Avengers, which which we, we all loved, Avengers Age of Ultron, which over time has garnered more love than than I would say initially. If they were going to pick somebody to try and lighten the tone, to try and sort of sprinkle a bit of Marvel magic, Joss Whedon was as good a bet as anybody. But actually, what we got was well, it was just an absolute mess, wasn't it? I mean, a lot of people sort of claim now in retrospect, or, you know, the, the issues with Henry Cavill's moustache, you know, you can't really see it. You only know it's there because people have talked about it. Well, for me, you know, six, six out like a sore thumb. And and the whole thing was just a, a just a complete patchy mess. It, it was tonally, it was all over the place. It was, I mean, you, if you could have picked with a bit of time, with hardly any time spent at all, you know, you could point out which scenes were filmed by Zack Snyder, which were by Joss Whedon. It was just an absolute mess. You know, once that was done and dusted, the whole universe itself, the whole franchise rather, just seemed to be on such a such a, a strange course and a strange trajectory. And we just thought, well, they're just failing. You know, you don't want to compare Marvel to DC, but it happens all the time. And not from the point of view of one is better than the other from a character point of view, but just from the structure and the time and the effort and all the work that went into creating such a complex universe film cinematic universe in marvel dc just seemed to be throwing money at nonsense and 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 just you know seeing what would stick and it was just so disappointing i thought the, with the sort of batman v superman it was one of those things where you know well we've all said it many times before rich has just said it then it was like they're trying to rush this that it was the obvious thing they were building towards justice league off the back of that film and then when the trailer for that came out i thought oh hang on a sec this looks really promising and I can remember, I think it was one of the first sort of 20, 30 minutes of Batman v Superman. I went to see it on the opening day, but uh, the reviews had already come out and they'd not been great. There was already that sort of meme going around of Ben Affleck just staring off into the distance during the interview with him and Henry Cavill. Like. Mm. And I say for about 20, 30 minutes, I was thinking this is really shaping up to be something really different. This is really what, you know, uh, this is going to be a pleasant surprise. And then it just all went off the boil and went a bit daft and a bit morose and like you say by the time you get to the save 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 martha thing it's a bit well that's been lampooned enough haven't it but with justice league i mean obviously we knew the sort of tragedy behind snyder having to leave we knew that like you say joss whedon had been brought in funny enough in preparation for this episode the two films that i've watched this week uh, i watched the original justice league the whedon cut the cinematic cut and I ended up watching, just by coincidence, Age of Ultron. And I can't believe the same person made those two films. And I've always sort of given Josh Wheaton a bit of a sort of break, which, you know, I know nowadays that's the last thing he's getting in Hollywood. But there, there we oh, are, yeah. it's a different story. But I've always given him a bit of a break, thinking that perhaps Snyder had gone in with two ambitious plans, you know, you know, like we said at the time. You couldn't have picked a better person to have helmed a superhero team-up movie 
But, you know, for whatever reason, like I say, the studios got nervous about it. Warner Brothers wanted it to be under two hours so they could get more show-ins every day and make more money from it. There was the, the thing that, you know, there wasn't a funny enough film. It needed more humour. It was too dark. It was too gritty. It was too sort of grimy. Basically, a lot of the criticisms that have been levelled at Batman v Superman, well, you know, for me, Warner Brothers, they had a bit of a track record this night. You know, he'd already done two superhero films for them. And then if you chuck Watchmen in as well, he has a very distinctive style. You know what you're going to get with him. So by the time you get into the third film, it seems strange to me that they were only really having little wobbles whilst he was making this film. Hmm. You know, with Snyder, I think you either like him or you don't. If they were looking for a big budget sort of Hollywood sort of superhero team at movie to, to, to rival the Avengers, like Richard said, A, it was never going to happen anyway because, you know, you didn't have the years of preparation. You didn't have the years of character development and story development. But B, it was also going to be a case of we're going to have to hit the ground running and we're going to have to do this quite quickly. And it seems strange that there was no real sort of, much of the same sort of criticism we've leveled at the, the recent Star Wars movies. There was no real sort of story structure. You know, like Rich was saying, you, you had you know Wonder Woman, Aquaman films being made by different directors who you know, didn't seem to have any the sort of coercion and you know, sort of, if you like, the sort of roadmap of what they were going to do off the back of Justice League. I mean, we had that sort of laughable scene in Batman v Superman where Lex Luthor had handily put together a little email consisting of all the different members of the mm. Justice League uh, with their logos. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone had gone to the trouble of, of making individual logos for them. Yeah, it's like, can you track down these metahumans for me? <laughs> and can you can you design a logo for each of them as well? Just so if, I don't know, say Bruce Wayne or Diana Prince does find my hard drive, it'll be easy for them to know which one Aquaman is. <laughs> oh. Just a pathetic thing with that. I mean, you know, you could look at the sort of, oh, we've got some CCTV at the Flash, you know, in the supermarket. The bit with Jason Momoa swimming towards the camera and prodding his trident towards the camera before swimming away. Well, I'm pretty sure he knew he was being filmed then, didn't he? (laughs) It was was laughable. But like you say, with Justice League, by the time it got to Justice League, with a lot of the sort of big Marvel-type films and the MCU films, it's usually a case of us guys going to see him first. I mean, I'm a little bit luckier now that my son's a little bit older, but especially when he was younger. I'd go and watch, you know, a big MCU movie, MCU movie with one of you guys, or probably all of you guys, and then I go and see it on the weekend with him. So I got to see the film twice with the Justice League. I think I went to see it about a week after it came out. I went with a, a group of kids, various parents, and and within the first twenty seconds of seeing Henry Cavill's hair lip, <laughs> I I just knew. I I was trying to go in with a sort of open mind, but I just knew. I just thought this is gonna be a train wreck. And yeah, true to form, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, you, you two have summed up there perfectly, the kind of um, roadmap that brought us to where we are now. And in in like the, the 15 minutes or so that Richie made uh, you and me wait, Neil, before recording whilst he was having his manicure or whatever, yeah. I actually went back <laughs> I went, went back and read my Film 89 review of Justice League because I haven't had a chance, well, fortunately, I haven't had a chance to re-watch the 2017 version. So I just wanted to go back and refresh myself on how I felt about the film. And to be honest with you, reading it, I'm actually quite positive about the film. I make the point of, you know, this is progression in some areas, regression in others. In particular, yeah. you know, the special effects were really shoddy. And whereas Batman versus Superman, as much as I pretty much strongly dislike the film, from a technical point of view, it's pretty much spot on. Whereas Justice League, 
for reasons obviously which we'll go into and, and all the problems with that first version of the film that we saw it just comes across as shoddy and a mess but there's other things which it does kind of get right like you know the things which Wedden was probably brought on board for the injection of humor was very welcome after po-faced dour miserable batman versus superman which i just I'll, I'll, co- I'll counter that the injection of humor was probably a good idea and it was probably something that was discussed in a boardroom somewhere yeah but was there actually any humor in that film that worked because well, yeah, uh, now that I've yeah, seen Ezra, Ezra Miller's little brunch speech, yeah, what is brunch? Is it breakfast or is it lunch? No, it's brunch, mate. It's it's a meal that's always existed. That's that's pure Joss Whedon, isn't it? That's what I mean. They they put a, they put a lot of stuff in there, and it was almost as if they were trying too hard. Yeah, I would say yeah. Batman Batman v Superman. Numerous things I can pick holes in. I was like, oh. They fucking nailed Batman here. They've got this. I, you know, there was a lot of sort of the Batfleck sort of internet chatter when he was first announced that he was going to be terrible and it was going to be awful. And I never, to be honest, straight from the point there, I was like, well, I, I personally think he's a good choice to play. I can see him being both Bruce Wayne and Batman. And they sort of, for me, they nailed that. Some of the Batman scenes, especially the warehouse scene with the flame flower when he actually goes yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To, to rescue um, Arthur. That, for me, is the Batman film I've always wanted to see. Hmm. With Justice League, it was, well, with the original cinematic cut, it was almost as if they went, well, he's got to be the leader of the Justice League, so he should be a bit wisecracky, and he should be a bit Robert Downey Jr., you know? Hmm. (laughs) And it was like as if they sort of just tried to sort of say, right, well, he's the Iron Man of the team. And they was like, well, no, he's the Batman of the team. And it was like injecting humour into that. It was like, well, I don't really need to see Bruce Wayne cracking-wise, you know? Yeah, and I think... Now, now that I've seen, and not to give too much away about how I feel about this newer version, now that I've seen this version, this newer version isn't devoid of humour. There is humour in it. And if you look back at a lot of the humour yeah. which was in that 2017 version, yeah, it's like you were saying, a lot of it was that typical Whedon sort of quippy humour, which when you compare it to the humour that's left in the Snyder Cut now, that seems far more in keeping with these characters, and it makes the 2017 version look even more kind of out of place in terms of tone and i think and and again i don't want to say that Zack snyder's got a great understanding of these dc characters certainly from the the point of view of how i want to see them portrayed but i think wedden or whedon or whatever you want to call him he had let's just call him joss let's call him joss yeah joss had i think he had far less of an understanding and was leaning things far too much towards his kind of firefly type humor which worked for that film and worked for you know other projects he's done it didn't work very well for Justice League, and it's one of many problems with that film. If Joss, if Joss Woden, as I'm going to call him, <laughs> if Ralph Jameson, <laughs> if he had, if he had done Justice League um, without the previous Zack Snyder entries, I'm not sure there would have been as much of a problem with them because you, you've, you've got the, the characters are established, the, the, the universe is established, albeit it seems to always rain and it's miserable and it's dour and it's not very optimistic. It was established and this was, this was the same people, the same actors playing characters that were supposed to know from the previous films, but actually we, we feel like we don't know them. They've, they've almost had character so transplants. It's, it's, it's like a, a borderline comedy version at times of yeah. these characters that were so different, that were so serious previously. And I think that's that's one of the things that, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, the increase in humour can come about organically and feel like them in a, in a more sort of settled... Batman v Superman was about those two characters being at odds. We had Superman, he, he wasn't... By the end of Man of Steel, that was when he became Superman. So it was a hell of a long origin story. We haven't yet experienced Superman being Superman. 
And one of the things about Justice League 2017, they tried to show us Henry Cavill as an established Superman. We didn't, mm. we, we've never really seen that. We've not seen, we, have, we haven't had a montage of him saving people. We've not had that, you know, Christopher Reeve-esque or, or even Brandon Routh. He had his 10 minutes of, of flying around saving people. Yeah. We didn't have that with Henry Cavill. And we were expected to go from this sort of the world mourning Superman, but actually, you know, I've only seen Batman v Superman a couple of times and it's been quite a few years, but I don't remember you know, there being this, I don't remember him being sort of welcomed into everyone's hearts kind of thing. It was quite difficult to take. So with Joss Whedon, they try, they, some of the new scenes they filmed were trying to establish Superman as the Superman, you know, the the the, the Boy Scout kind of thing, you know, the, that kind of obviously the, the opening sequence was him, you know, being interviewed by a, a, a kid with a mobile phone. And it was that sort of thing of, it was clearly trying to course correct. And it just, it just went way overboard. Um, mm. And, and, arguably that the franchise possibly didn't need it which we might come on to later yeah i think you've got to wonder how much of this is blame that could be laid at joss Whedon's feet or how much of it is down to studio interference i think it's probably a little from column a and a little from pop but it can't be mm. and we we have to understand as well for joss <laughs> well <but. laughs> for, for joss stone to have turned up and take it on and taking on a film at that at that point, you know, with a sort of whole weight of expectation. I mean, let's be honest, Warner Brothers were banging on this being a, a billion dollar box office, you know, yeah. movie. You know, this film yeah. took I think it was I think it took like six hundred or seven hundred million, didn't it? And that was considered to be a failure. Yeah, it was, I think you it was yeah, six hundred and fifty eight on a budget of three hundred million. And I think um you know, looking at the three times budget factor when you take into account marketing costs and stuff, I think Warner Brothers would have been happier with a, a worldwide gross of around about nine hundred million to a billion, but they didn't get anywhere near that. So I think from that point of view they saw it as a bit of a failure. Yeah, and that's it. And the other side of it as well, that you know, so we, with Josh as well, he had such a good sort of track record with the two Avengers movies. But like you say, he also had a lot of kudos from the sort of Buffy era. Mm. He had a lot of kudos from the Firefly era. While Serenity wasn't a big box office hit, it was widely regarded as, you know, being a fan favorite and a great film and stuff like that. Yeah. So he hadn't really sort of stepped out of line that much, had he? And I didn't know there was the promise of him doing a Batgirl movie that he wanted to do, which at the time, like I say, you know, we thought with a sort of Buffy sort of era behind him, you know, he'd be an ideal choice to do a Batgirl movie. I mean, mm. now with some of the stuff we've heard, perhaps it wouldn't be the ideal yeah. choice. But oh, God, no. he had the fan seal of approval, didn't he? From He had a good track record. If we if we wanted the universe to be lightened up, which we which we thought that we did to an extent, you know, I got I got be completely honest. I was kind as much as I could sort of like knock Batman v Superman, and I got to say that it's quite easy to do. I was kind of all right with the fact that that it was a different type of film because I didn't want to see the Avengers with Batman and Superman. Yeah. You know that that box has already been ticked. The MCU stuff it works on the sort of ninety nine percent of the time it works. Make something different. You know, all right, yeah, whatever you make, you know, even when Christopher Nolan's doing Batman, there's a certain amount of consideration to how many toy sales are going to get out of it. You're always going to have that factor unless you do like a sort of R-rated Joker type movie with a superhero movie. You're always going to have a certain mark. You're gonna get... But then the other side of that is you can do so much with these films. You know, again, Superman Returns, it's not a great film. For me, Brandon Routh is a great sort of Christopher Reeve impersonator when he's Clark Kent, but he's not a great Superman. You know, no. but did I want to see another Christopher Reeve type film? Is the other side of that? Did it really work? Now, Cavill's Man of Steel. It's not one of my favourites, but 
it was a different take. I thought, well, okay, I can see they're trying something different. At least they're trying something different, you know? Well, there was criticism, wasn't there, that the, that the John Williams theme wasn't used and all this sort of stuff. And I always thought, well, John Williams' theme is for Christopher Reeve's film. And because, yes. Superman, Returns, because Superman Returns was a sort of semi-sequel tribute to whatever you want to call it, it was a love letter to Richard Donner's Superman, the, and the fact you had Marlon Brando's Jarrell and everything in it, the, the, using the John Williams' theme worked for that film but when it came to a new iteration of superman hans zimmer's work on man of steel the the, the, the man of, there's a couple of themes a couple of particular themes within that film and they give me goosebumps every single time and and whilst it's not as um it's not as iconic and it's not as um obvious as as, as a particular theme it worked for me and i just thought you know i'd like them to have confidence in this version of the character and let's see where it goes i just wanted the same you know and I don't want us to get constantly into compare comparisons and comparisons, but in the same way that that there was the confidence to try out, as we've said before, you know, sea level characters like Iron Man and all the rest of it. Apparently, Superman is so difficult to put on screen. He's so difficult to get right and all this sort of stuff. And I just thought, give it a whirl. Let's see how we go. Have confidence in your approach. Have confidence in what you're doing. And then when all this stuff happened with Justice League, it just felt like. It, I, it was it was a worry because I just thought they're not trusting in what they're doing. They're, there's too many people involved. There's too many changes going on. It, it just it just spells trouble. Now Zack Snyder, you know, he may turn around and make awful films in this in this in the DCEU as it's called, or he might not. But give it a, give it a go and see what it was going to be because I think we, we we know, don't we? The Batman v Superman was never the plan. It was always going to be some sort of uh, of bringing in a Batman later down, but they didn't want to bring in Batman. Well, the talk was not bringing Batman in too soon after Christian Bale. There was still talk that possibly Christian Bale may come back further down the line because Christopher Nolan was staying on as exec producer. And it was that thing of, well, let's establish Superman. We've got Man of Steel, Man of Steel 2. That gives us sort of three or four years playing with. Establish this character and see whether or not, you know, Christian Bale's Batman or if it was going to be it was going to be the vision of Robin that we had at the end of Dark Knight Rises, whatever. But, but Batman from within that universe, could they coexist? Let's see what happens. But they kind of, Man of Steel didn't get quite get the numbers that they thought would. Oh, you know, Superman has always been tricky. Right, we chuck Batman in. And it just it just seemed rushed and a cop-out. And then Batfleck came along and we thought, you know, I, I was with you, Neil. Like, if, for an older grizzly sort of Batman, there's, there's, I think he be, could be quite good. He certainly would be good as an older Bruce Wayne. Uh, and there was a lot, that, there was a lot about him. Uh, as the character that I liked in Batman v Superman, there's a, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of issues, a lot of problems with the story, a lot of problems with certain choices that are made. But you know, I was I was holding out there, and and this whole approach to to building a connected universe is just I, I just don't know what's going on. I think they must have been taking notes from Lucasfilm because they just they they just kind of they seem to be kind of half-heartedly starting afresh with every single film that comes about. I don't think it's to their credit to say that oh we're giving every filmmaker a chance to make their own film. You know. In which case, don't don't plant those seeds of interconnectivity when actually that's going to work against you. If you're going to make a standalone Aquaman film, go ahead and do it. But you don't don't throw lines in linking them back to a film which is so tonally different. And and likewise with Wonder Woman and all the rest of it, make the standalone films and don't build towards a team up. Mm. Movie fans, particularly off the back of the MCU, have come to expect a level of detail now and a level of attention that's paid to it. We we fully accept that. Christian Bale's Batman is is not in any way related to Michael Keaton's Batman or George Clooney's Batman or whatever. You know, p- people accept that. That's there's there's no there's no suggestion there. But when you're going to set about creating a connected universe, 
when you've got the likes of Marvel doing what they do, you've got to get it right. You, you, yeah. You've got to put that effort in because you are going to be held up to account. You are. It is going to stand up. I'd much rather they just said, right, we're doing a standalone Superman franchise, we're doing a standalone Batman franchise. Yeah, and maybe at some point in the future, you've always got the sort of the sort of James Bond factor, haven't you? You can have Timothy Dalton followed by Piers Brosnan followed by Daniel Craig, and mm. every one of them has got their own sort of unique style and unique take on the character, the, the yeah. visual aspects of the film, the, the, the sort of if you like the characterization characterization of the, the the character as well is played differently by each of them. You know, um, it's sort of almost written differently. You know, you could all, you could almost say that James Bond is a, a code name, much the same as 007 is a code number, you know. But mm. like you say, when you're doing it for a crossover, you've got to get it right. And again, you've got to establish things and you've got to set things up. And most importantly, you've got to take your time. Yeah, you know, because, absolutely. You, you know, like I say, we keep doing it, but naturally we're going to do it. If you look at the sort of three, three or four films that preceded the Avengers, by the by the time of the Avengers opening, sort of five minutes, I know exactly who everyone is down to the Shield agents. You know, I'm not just going, oh well, you know, Hawkeye, or I'm not just saying Loki, or I'm not just saying, you know, I'm going right, all right, Maria Hill, you know, yeah. Agent Coulson, smaller characters that you know that aren't the sort of like the poster boys, if you like, for the for this film. That, but again, I, I'm already invested in these smaller characters as well. It's almost like we're trying to excuse ourselves from comparing, you know, this franchise to the MCU. But when you're comparing anything, you're always going to look at what the gold standard of that thing is. And I think at the moment, it goes without saying, I can't see any argument against it, that the Marvel Studios template and what they've done, which has come when they did in the most recent films, you know, Infinity War and Endgame, that is the gold standard of how to do a comic book franchise. We've never seen anything like it, as we've said countless times before on this podcast and on the website. They are the gold standard, and it's just unavoidable that you know the, the stuff we're talking about tonight. That you know the DC Warner Brothers side of things is going to be compared mostly, less favorably, to the MCU. I just don't think there's any other way around it. Yeah, and let's be completely honest: these films were being made because of those comparisons. Yeah, of course. You know, they yeah. were literally Warner Brothers were going right. Who else we got? Who else can we throw yeah, in this? Yeah. We got Aqu- we got Aquaman. Let, let, come on, let's be honest. At any point, there was, I've never seen Entourage, but that was actually one of the plots of Entourage, was that he was going to play Aquaman, you know, because it was a joke. James mm. Cameron was going to direct Aquaman, you know, this sort of fictionalized piece of Hollywood sort of storyline, if you like. Mm. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, who's ever going to want to see a superhero that talks to fish? But it was like as if Warner Brothers were like, right, okay, we've got a we've got the rights to these characters let's put them in there who thought Thor was going to work but it did mm, yeah you know yeah. and stuff like that and it, you can almost imagine I'm surmising but you can almost imagine those conversations taking place can you of course and I think yeah. the you would have had a flip side conversation at some point you know with Marvel Studios hey guys when are we going to introduce Namor the Submariner and the yeah. answer might have been do you know what let's hold off on that one for a little bit did DC have to bring in the characters that they brought in now did they have to have the roster exactly as it is I don't know. With hindsight, you could have kind of got away with the beginning of Justice League with basically the big three, couldn't you? You yeah, could have got. You so. could have got away. You could have got away with just Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they went away from having Martian Manhunter, didn't they? And he's a founding member of the Justice League. Yeah. Because, yeah. You know, and and that's going to be someone who's going to be far. There's far far less of a uh, an issue. You know, far less of a a, a leap to, to get him right over Aquaman. I I will say, however, I think that. We're looking at Aquaman, I, they've not gone wrong with Aquaman. I think with with what they've got there, okay, he's not going to be t- his character in his films aren't going to be to everyone's taste. But they they've done a tidy job, I think, of of modernising and and bringing him into this kind of 
uh, bringing him up to date, uh, sort of, and, and making him more appealing as a, as a as a character. I think. Brother, hey, Rich. I think ultimately the you know the biggest litmus test for Aquaman Man is is the fact that I think on a budget of about one hundred and sixty million, it made yeah one billion and I think one hundred and fifty million. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the film itself, or the Aquaman film. It's it's it's. You know, I, I know. I know you don't like it, Neil. But you know, I. No, I, I, I'll, I'll right. be honest. No, I don't like it. It's. It, I, I'll agree with you on that. It's all right. It's not a great yeah. film. The opening sort of twenty minutes of that film again, where he was sort of flicking back his hair and it was very slow motion sort of L'Oreal TV advert. I thought they're going to play this for laughs and it would have worked. Yeah. You know, and it, then he started to get a bit too silly and took himself a bit too seriously. And like I say. I was sat next to a, I think it was a nine-year-old or a ten-year-old at the time, who said, you know, midway through when he ended up on some bizarre planet in the middle of the ocean, or with dinosaurs, was it Jurassic Park? That was it, you know. Yeah. Mm. So when a ten-year-old, yeah, when a ten-year-old next to you is taking the mic, it's you know, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of. But a it's, given, it's like, not. There's nothing offensive in it, and it, it's, no, no. it's you know, in this massive patchwork of quality, it, it's it's not the worst. Well, which I know Rich, I, 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 Rich, I, I know Neil knows this, but I'm not sure if you do. But I've still not seen Aquaman. No, yeah, you said the other day. Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, Neil and I and, and a couple of the, you know, the couple of the guys that we, you know, we chatted, we, we were talking about the other day, and I think it was Jacob Rivera said to me, Sky, how have you not seen Aquaman? Have you actively avoided it or, or what? And I, I just think it's come down to the fact that I've not had the enthusiasm to, and I've not really had, you know, the, the time to devote to watching a, a film that's part of a franchise that, you know, you mentioned earlier, Rich, about. You know the amount of times you've seen Batman versus Superman, and it actually got me thinking. I think I've probably seen I've seen Man of Steel twice. I saw Batman versus Superman in the cinema, and then I saw the Ultimate Cut on Blu-ray. So I've only seen that which twice. I, yeah, I like yeah. Yeah, I've seen Wonder Woman several times. That's the one I've seen the most. I saw Justice League. Uh, I saw it in the cinema. Then I saw it with my sons, and then now I've obviously I've seen this new version of it. I haven't seen Aquaman. I've seen Suicide Squad once, and that is it. Have you seen Shazam? Yes, I've seen Shazam. Sorry, I saw Shazam. You know, if that's going to be counted as part of this series, this franchise, I saw Shazam in the cinema. I've not seen it since. Because I've not seen Shazam. I've not seen Birds of Prey. I, I've not seen Birds of Prey either. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. With something like Aquaman, it's the sort of film that you'll have no plans to have no plans to watch it. You know, but it'll be on five o'clock in the afternoon or whatever or just for the kids to, whatever you know and it's is you you'll you'll get the most enjoyment out of it with no expectations whatsoever yeah. you know if you just put it on and you just watch it and you just watch it for what it is uh, and it's okay it's it's an okay film it's not it's, you know it, it's, there's, there's it's nothing a, it's a 90, it's a 1990s fantastic four type superhero film for me yeah mm. it's, it is what it is you know, if it, it, it fits into that if it's into that character category for me yeah anyway so that is you know where we are at this point one thing I've just picked up on when I went back and read my 2017 review of, of Justice League, the way I'm talking about the film then, you can see clearly that it's not knowledge at the time that you know all of this behind the scenes stuff has gone on. We knew by that point by the film's release that Zack Snyder had to leave the film, obviously because of you know the tragic personal circumstances. Yeah. But what I don't think it was entirely clear at the time of the film's release was just how little of Zack Snyder's footage ended up in Joss Ackland's film. Hey, there's one for Lethal Weapon 2 fans. <laughs> Dipl- diplomatic immunity. Yeah, diplomatic immunity. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I, I think I even make reference in my review to the fact that it's still Zack Snyder's film when it clearly isn't. 
Yeah, and i got to be honest, I was under that impression. Everything I read and everything, I, you know, any sort of snippets of any interviews I, I'd seen was that he'd come in and sort of like at the sort of the, the, the 11th hour and maybe film one or two new scenes, added one or two, you know, edited out one or two little bits of story. Like, I was fairly confident that that film was kind of 80% at least Zack Snyder's work. Yeah, when I think the reality is that what we actually saw on screen was probably much less than 10%. Yeah, maybe quite... maybe less than that. Because I know that's that... one of the things that surprised me with 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 watching Zack Snyder's was because I thought I, I don't know why I thought this, but I remember saying to you guys like this: we're not we're not going to be seeing Zack Snyder's cut of the film as he intended five, six, seven years ago. We're going to be seeing a a you know he's had however many years to reflect upon it, and times have changed and all the rest of it. We're actually going to be seeing you know because I was under the impression that you know he'd be given this massive budget. And and you know there was talks of reshoots. People were back on board and all this sort of stuff. And I I honestly thought for a time that he was actually continuing to film. And and there was a huge chunk left. I, I was where you were with initially watching the Justice League, but then in everything that came out later, and and it was clear then that Joss Whedon had shot so, uh, shot so much. I then thought that Zack Snyder was going to be going and filming loads of new things. So my view, you know, I, I was very cynical about it, and I had this attitude that. No, we're not. We're not seeing it as he intended. We're seeing it as he intended, plus five years of reflection and tweaking yeah. it. So you're never going to see what he initially intended. But as it transpired, I think there was only one. There's only one full sequence that's that's been filmed, isn't it? In 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 the re, the budget was for was for effects. Yeah, I think and, it was for the you know the, the completion of special effects for much of it. Yeah, Affleck came back and filmed parts as well. Then he you yeah. know and stuff like that. But, it, it, uh, was, it was the dreams. It was the epilogue, wasn't it? The epilogue was what yeah. they filmed. Right, guys, we spent about half an hour now on our preamble. Let's get into the thick of it. When this film was announced as being four hours long, like me, like me, did you actually think that that was just a, a, a false initial report? Because bearing in mind yeah. that the theatrical version was, I think, pretty much bang on two hours, what was your reaction when they said that this film would be released in the form of a four-hour film? I, I, I just thought he was just... I thought, there's no editing going on, apart from, like, fades because they're just going to put everything on screen. I just thought, like, you know, it was kind of like, well, you want it, you can see it all. Hmm. It, just, it, just seemed, it just seemed bonkers. And then it occurred to me, well, maybe, maybe he was doing a Superman 1 and 2. Maybe he was, maybe it was the two films, you know, as far as he was concerned, because yeah. there was that well, talk. That, that, was, that, was the initial plan. that was the initial plan, wasn't it, yeah. Yeah, so, so maybe he had actually pretty much filmed the two-parter. But I think even in even in pre-production on, on Justice League, it, it went down to one film, didn't it? it, it, it you know, I can't remember if that was before Zach no, left. No, you know, when when uh, Snyder was still involved, they, they, they decided that it was going to be one film and not two. Yeah, you are. Yeah, right. it was that thing of oh, who knows. I, I I just I was so cynical about the whole process that I just thought I'll believe it when I see it. When it's finally released, then I'll believe it. Because we had that thing; it was going to be it was going to be a serial as well, wasn't it? It was going to be four hour long episodes released weekly or something like that. Yeah, there was talk then, wasn't it, that it was going to be released as like um, like a mini series in a way of, of an yeah. hour each night. And again, if you if you look at the way the film's actually set up with with the sort of definitive chapter settings, if you like, you know, it yeah. looks as if that was pretty solid plan that they were going to do that. Yeah, they, it could have worked. I think what's the film? Is it split into six chapters, something like that? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think it's five five in the epilogue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which for me again. No films have an epilogue, please. <laughs> don't I don't want to see epilogue. No, you, you don't want to see a title card that says epilogue, do you? No. I associate I associate that with police squad. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
I wouldn't have minded if there was a prologue, but there wasn't. No, that's true. <laughs> well, I'm jumping way ahead now because I'm going to the epilogue. I actually thought, upon reflection, having watched the epilogue twice because of some technical errors when I was first watching it, I had to go back and re-watch the epilogue again, that that should have been the opening scene. I think if you, you know, because that was obviously the new footage that had been filmed, and in the context, in the content that it was actually set up, as it was, you know, it didn't really mean anything. It was just a premonition. I thought, well, that could have actually been the opening scene of the film. Yeah. Now, Neil, just to confirm, then, you and I have watched screeners of this film. Richie, you watched it on Sky Cinema, formerly called Sky Movies, funnily enough. <laughs> right. Guys, I'm going to kind of do things in reverse order now, and I'm going to ask you something I would usually ask you at the end of our discussion. Is this film an improvement over the 2017 version? Uh, right, yeah, it, it is. It is, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, a massive improvement. Again, I'm going to give a lot of kudos to Schneider for that, but I'm also going to come in with the caveat of I know absolutely nothing about filmmaking. Yeah, I can waffle on podcasts about films, but I know nothing about the technicalities and the actual grassroots of making a film. But I'm pretty sure that if I had hours and hours of footage and 40-odd million dollars to go away and redo stuff that I could have improved upon the original cinematic release of Justice yeah. League. <laughs> <I think laughs> and so. I'll, say that, I'll say that with quiet confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Neil, I think you could have done that with an iPhone camera and, you know, just... <laughs> Just a couple of hours of, of, of rewriting on, on a on a back of a Chris Parkin or something. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yes, I would agree. It is most definitely an improvement upon the twenty seventeen release. Yeah, I, I I think by the time this episode goes out, there there'll be umpteen hundreds of reviews on YouTube. You know, Twitter and and Facebook are already ablaze with chat about this film. People have got varying opinions on it so far. You know, critics are you know some are uh, you know on the fence. Others are well either way some very positive others very negative but i gotta say i I don't think there's there's any way around it this is a massive improvement over um josh hom his version (laughs) (laughs) there you go queens of the stone age fans yeah (laughs) or toast of london fans (laughs) yeah josh's version just it pales in comparison to this one this is far more of a of a tonally it's not all over the place it's actually there is a a structure to the narrative and there's a particular tone that follows the film through i gotta say there's there's certain elements of this film where i just think my god you know the footage we saw in in the 2017 version what ben affleck version was that because ben affleck looks kind of down in the dumps he doesn't look interested in the 2017 version in this version you've got a leaner version for a start he he looks far more invested in this film in Zack snyder's version well, if you listen to some of the things that go on behind the scenes, then there may be a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah, that way we will have to take into account. I mean, Affleck's sort of personal battles with like you know depression and alcoholism and stuff like that are mm-hmm. well documented. And it was also a case I I know that he was the main sort of callback for reshoots. Yeah. I I think it was definitely a case of when he came back. Again, I'm only saying what YouTube and Twitter have told me. I've never had any personal conversations with Ben Affleck, um, but he was. Quite resentful. Yeah, yeah. He was quite resentful of the fact that so much of the the sort of reworking of the film had to be on his shoulders, if you like. Mm. Yeah. Well, he was. I mean, he was. You know, off the back of of this, he was going to be directing his own Batman film, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. He, part of his reason for for being a part of it was because he was he was having creative control. There was an awful lot riding on his 
relationship with Zack Snyder and Warners. And the minute that Zack Snyder was gone, stories would be that his support network had all gone. And, and you know, it was kind of like Batfleck was out kind of thing. And he was kind of back then to do reshoots of stuff that he wasn't confident in, wasn't happy in, uh, all amongst this kind of losing his Batman franchise and, you know, didn't want to be there. Mm. And, and and I think, you know, then to go and... They, they've got eyes and ears and, and they can, you know, the actors can see what a stinker is. And, and there's there's a good reason, I think, why behind the scenes relationships aside, you know, if you're promoting a stinker of a film, then, you know, it's, it's it must be different. The best actors in the world is going to be, unless the pay is amazing, it might be quite difficult at times, but there was so yeah. much more to it with him, wasn't there? There was, you know, as I say, there was, this was going to set him up, wasn't it? This, this was like, you know, the next, this was, you know, this was the Robert Downey Jr. film, wasn't it? This, he was going to be... Yeah, that was the comparison I was going to make. If you look at um, Robert Downey Jr. and you imagine he's done the two films with Favreau, he's got a solid sort of base of what this character is, where this character is going, how it's going to progress, how it's going to shape you know shape things for the future, and then Josh, who are we going to go for? Josh Hartnett comes in <laughs> <laughs> and says, "We're going to do the Avengers, but your you know Iron Man's going to be a completely different character." Oh, and by the way, any future plans you've got for doing Iron Man 3 are out the window now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you said before, what's going to be difficult for me for this is, is going through sort of chronology with this film because I've only, I've only seen it the once. And, you know, I'm sure seasons passed it, it, from, one, from the beginning of the film to the other. For a universe that is so tonally mismatched, this actually felt like the third part of a trilogy that, that we didn't realise that we wanted kind of thing. You know, it was sort of... I felt like with, with the choices that were made with the characters, with with sort of how they were portrayed. Like I said, there's been many, many, many missteps, but it felt more organic and it felt more like, you know, if this was what Zack Snyder was working towards, then, you know, I apologise for, for slating everything that's gone before because, you know, I'm not by, I'm not by any by, by any shape or form saying that this is a masterpiece or perfect at all. But in the context of what we've had before, this felt, you know, very much a, a follow-on from what we've had with with payoffs, with proper sort of credit paid to to what I'd come before, uh, and uh, some validation as well, which is one of my things at the moment. But it does it does validate certain things that happened pre in the previous entries. Yeah, yeah, right. So guys, one thing about the film that struck me, and uh, which I've made it clear to you, is is that the choice of aspect ratio that Zack Snyder picked for this film. Now, as it turns out, he was going to go for uh, you know should this film in different circumstances have been released theatrically. He'd intended to frame it pretty much all throughout the film like an IMAX film. So it would have been that tall 1.43 you know, to 1 ratio. Really strange choice from his point of view. He's gone for a 1.33 to 1, which is the original you know, old-style television ratio. And that's a ratio that we've not seen a modern film, you know, apart from you know certain films like The Grand Budapest Hotel by Wes Anderson, which has got certain you know portions of the film in one point three three to one, which is a stylistic choice because it's, it's harking back to a you know a, a previous it's time. An art, it's an it's an artistic. It is. Artist, like, yeah. You know, to, to have a modern day superhero film that is set, you know, in contemporary times, in this ratio, bearing in mind now that. I'd say pretty much close close to 100% of the people are going to be watching it are watching it 1.78 to 1 ratio. You know, personally, I, I, I always want to see a film as a director intended. I, I But I do think it's just a bit of an odd choice that he actually wanted to film it in such a tall square ratio, which isn't just going to be making full use of the available screen space on televisions, you know, on, 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 on HDTVs. Ultimately, it turns out that for reasons you know I won't go into, I, I had to end up watching this film on an iPad. I didn't actually watch it on my TV, and 
it turns out then that the ratio perfectly fit the screen on my iPad. But what was it like for you guys watching it on widescreen TVs in that ratio? It's it's much the same. It's much the same as for me is when you're watching a film with you know sort of like I don't know like let's say when we watch a screener sometimes we'll have a little disclaimer come up or something like that and you know for the the, the sort of icon sort of bothers you for a while and then you know you just adjust to it and you just get used to it. I found it slightly jarring. I kept expecting at some point that the screen was going to open almost sort of a la one division. Mm. I kept thinking that perhaps we're going to see Snyder's vision expand, if you like, yeah. both thematically and sort of, you know. But after a while, I didn't notice. But it, like you say, after a while, I didn't notice. Why did I have to notice to begin with? It did seem a strange choice. And again, it seems, like you're saying, it, it was almost like sort of presenting, this is the film you should have seen. Hmm. And then trying to sort of condense that and put it onto a TV screen. You know, you've got to think with Warner Brothers and HBO Max, they really have given him free reign to do whatever he wanted to. Yeah. I kind of understand that, yeah, it was supposed to be an IMAX, but it's not an IMAX. Yeah, and it, as it turns out, I don't think that, you know, we're at a point where it could have even been conceivable for this to get a general theatrical release. And I've even read this evening that Snyder's mentioned plans of there being a new version of the film or, or another version of the film, which is in black and white. Which brings me to my next point, the colour grading on this film. Mm. Now, the aspect ratio thing, as it turns out, wasn't an issue for me. And Me neither. You know, me neither. <clears throat> yeah. No, like I say, I wasn't as well. No. The one thing I did have a problem with, which as much as it's an improvement over the, some of the like really garish colours that was in the 2017 oh, yeah. version, it's almost like he toned the colour down to, the, to a point where it was almost a black or white in certain scenes. And whilst I understand that it matches maybe the tone of certain portions of the film, and it does seem as if towards the end the colour is sort of you know, allowed back into the film a bit more, it almost is like Zack Snyder doesn't understand the fact that comic book panels are by their very nature awash with colour. And yeah. this film is just in part completely devoid of colour. Mm. And I just thought, you know, that was just, I think he took that a little bit too far. I, you know, I've even seen footage elsewhere where the colour grading doesn't look anywhere near as severe. The, the screener I watched was an official screener, and you know, I, I've I've seen other people putting the same footage on on YouTube reviews and stuff with with our same washed out look. But when I've actually seen the un you know altered footage, and it, it just looks like normal colour grading, I think yeah, you could have found a happy medium ground between that. He's definitely downgraded because you said there was all sort of comparison videos that were doing the rounds for years when there was this sort of hashtag release of Snyder Cut where, you know, when Superman's resurrected, you had the side-by-side -side panels of yeah. his original film and yeah. then the, the, the Joss Stone version. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, and, you know, and like you say, the end sequence where they had that sort of garish red sky Oh, compared yeah. to you know, compared to the the sort of Chernobyl, I think it was like a Chernobyl type city you want compared to the sort of original cinematic take. Mm. Well, we're watching it's, it, it's like strange, you say, it was it? like as if it, it reminded me of like putting a sort of weird sort of Instagram filter on it because it didn't even seem to to work in a lot of the settings for me. Mm. But like with like Wonder Woman's, you know, it's, it isn't just that it's when like Wonder Woman's uniform, her, you know, her costume is is far duller, isn't it? And and. I think that is actually the costume. It isn't just the sort of the color grading on it because it's so much more vibrant colors in the Wonder Woman film. It, it's kind of nitpicky as as I can be. You know, I, I wondered if there would be some sort of throwaway line about the fact that, you know, she's wearing a, a clearly a different costume in between 
you know, Wonder Woman, Wonder, Wonder Woman 84 and the Justice, and Justice League and Batman v Superman. It just seemed to be, stylistically, it just seems bizarre. I don't mm. I don't really know what it's gaining because, you know, when it's, the, the scenes on Themyscira, I would much rather see, I realise that, that obviously the, the, the battle that was happening on Themyscira, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's clearly sort of a bad sequence of events. But it doesn't change the colour of the grass and the sky, does it? So no. it's, I, I realise it's stylistic and, uh, and all the rest of it, but actually it's, it highlights the fact that it's different. It doesn't, that, that doesn't feel organic to me. That feels, mm. although what I will say is that I got used to it very quickly. It was something that I noticed at the beginning and then I quickly accepted the palette. It, it, yeah, it just, it just like you know, it, 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 didn't, it didn't bother me at all. And it's only when I think back that it would be highlighted as any mm. sort of real negative. It was it, it was it was something I spotted, and, and then it, you know, thankfully I was able to think about more than just the grading of this, you know, because obviously that you know I, I was I was certainly um, sort of interested in what I was seeing on the screen. Well, in, in my defence, which I have had four hours to kind of think of uh, other things <laughs> when I'm watching this film, because I got to be honest, guys, I couldn't watch it in one sitting. I probably watched it in maybe four or five sittings. I did it too. Given the you know the, the fact I had in the form of a screener and I just haven't had the time to like sit down and just watch it from start to finish. I wish I had. Probably would have had to have taken a hefty break in between. What I would say with that, uh, I, I say I will spring to his defence on that is that watching that film, I didn't feel as if I'd sat there for four hours. No. Watching it in one hit, I did. I didn't feel. I can say I had a sort of brief sort of like uh, toilet break, if you like, but uh, you know, but that was a couple of minutes. Like I didn't sort of break it into two or anything like that. Mm. Watching it, you know, say in the comfort of my own home, sat there watching, you know, sat on my sofa watching it. There was no point where I thought this is dragging the ass out of it mm. until I got to the epilogue part, and then I was like, okay, this has got to build to something. And ultimately, I felt a little bit let down and a little bit cheated by that. Yeah, I, I, I we, 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 we joked about it, didn't we? You know, the length of time that it was going to be, and I was so, I was so negative about the whole thought of the film. It was, I was the only reason I, I watched it. No, not the only reason, but one of the only reasons that I watched it was because it was to kind of just to get it done. It was like, oh, you know, we we'll, we got a couple of hours tonight, a couple of hours in the morning. Let's just watch it. It's done then, and and you know, hopefully that'll be the closing. That'll be the end of it then, and we can just put it to bed. And because I just thought it was just going to be this slog of doldrums of every every you know all the superheroes in 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 this universe are um, miserable and you know how yeah. how can it be that different are we, to are we gonna get four yeah are we gonna get you four know, or five different little mini films yeah and i just thought uh, you know i i, I really I, I wasn't looking forward to it you know I, no. I, I i wasn't well i was i was pleasantly surprised i was pleasantly surprised and i pleased and i you know i, I pleased that i was pleasantly surprised so i was gonna say because none of us although we'd sort of all accepted the fact that there may be a better film there None of us were particularly passionate about releasing a Snyder Cut. Will be as such. Oh, I, 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 I washed my hands of the universe. I, I, after, after the abomination that was Wonder Woman eighty four. You know, Wonder Woman isn't the best uh, comic book film ever, but in that universe, it was, stand, it was a really, really, children, really good yeah. film. It was, it was, it was a standout film in in that universe. And mm. I just thought, how would you get that wrong? How would you get a follow up wrong? You had all the ingredients, and then they produced that piece of shit. Oh, and they, and it's, they've had it in the can for eighteen months. You yeah. know, as, as nobody as nobody watched and gone, oh, there's a, there's a couple of changes you need to make there. And I yeah, just thought, you know what, well, I was after all with... of this, there's potential for Henry Cavill, but I've lost patience with it all because I just think, give Henry Cavill a chance. Give Ben Affleck a chance. Stop changing your mind at the last minute. Let's, let's actually invest in these characters, invest in these actors, and give them a bit of, you know, give them a bit of time and a bit of space and, and make 
make some good films. You know, it, they just seem to be getting everything wrong. It's disconnected. It just seems to be nonsense. And I just thought, I'm done with it now. I am absolutely done with it. Yeah, and like you say, when you've got four, five, six films and you're holding one up, which is an all right film, as almost like a masterpiece in comparison to the rest of them. Subsequently, since then, every other week, you read a story about Cavill's out as Superman, Cavill's back as Superman, yeah. uh, Affleck's coming back to do a HBO series, Affleck's never going to be putting out Cavill again, Matt Reeves is doing this thing with Robert Patterson now, you know, we've had a Joker spin-off, we've had... At the beginning, it was almost like an acceptable mistake that you could say, after two or three years of these movies coming out, right, you guys, you've dropped the fucking ball here now, right? We need to regroup. We need to get it back together. Mm. And it didn't seem to have been that way, does it? Because like you say, part of the contradictions that were happening in Wonder Woman 84 bore no resemblance to the Diana Prince that we'd seen 20 years later in Batman v Superman or yeah. in the Joss. Oh, God, what's his name now? Um, Josh Brolin. <laughs> Josh Brolin. <laughs> <laughs> version of Justice League. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, like I say, when we're watching, like, Wonder Woman flying (laughs) in 1984, and then all of a sudden we're like, like, oh, what? You know, when she's telling Batman that she's been in hiding for 100 years because she, you know, she doesn't respect the sort of, like, the the man will ever change. And then we find out that 20 years prior to that, she's running around shopping malls, rescuing children, whilst doing Richard (laughs) Donner-esque, you know, lampoon-type scenes. Yeah. And, was, she, and she lost somebody once, but she did kind of resurrect him in the body of somebody else. We won't, yeah. we won't talk about that. Guys, the, the one thing, right, before I actually um, hit play on that screen, uh, the last uh, tweet I read on Twitter from anyone linked to this film was from Ray Fisher. And it was a very enthusiastic tweet about guys or you know f- fans of, of Justice League, you're going to love the film you're about to see. And having now seen it, it's got to beg the question, how the hell did so much of Cyborg's story, so much of the footage, end up getting cut away from that film. Because as it turns out, as Snyder originally intended, Cyborg is the heart and soul of this film, more so, I think, than yeah. any of the you know the, the other characters that form the Justice League. The you, don't, you don't need an origin yeah. story for Cyborg, do you? You don't, you know, that, no, that film no. was, that was his origin story, wasn't it? You don't, you know, there was talk there was going to be a Cyborg origin off the back of Justice League. Yeah. Likewise with Flash and, and what have you, but... You know, there's less known about the the Flash from that film than, like I say, with Cyborg. He, he's a he's gone from you know an additional character where they were, where it felt like they were trying to make the numbers up mm. to you know, as you say, you know, a, an integral part of the team without a doubt. You know, I'm watching the um, the original cinematic uh, version written by that guy, uh, sorry, directed by that guy whose name I can't remember now. It was, um, I think, it was Lost actor uh, Josh Holloway. Josh Holloway, that's him. Uh- <laughs> I actually thought that, like you say, with with the cyborg sort of spin-off movie, that we were going to sort of almost get like a sort of um, like a Hawkeye type development, where you mm. could argue Hawkeye, you know, especially after the, the until Age of Ultron, is very much a side character, and then mm. when you move on to the Civil War and you know the, the the films that come after that, you know, and even if you look at Infinity War, he's not even bloody in the film. Yeah, you know. Mm. But again, it always comes back and pays off. And I thought, well, perhaps they're trying to do that with Cyborg. But like you say, to see now how much was on the cutting room floor, these scenes had already been filmed. Like like Sky was saying then, at what point did you think, well, we don't need to see this. Nobody needs to see this. There were other aspects of that film. Like you say, a pretty integral character just totally done a disservice. 
being honest with Ray Fisher, some of the things he's come out with, again, I can only sort of listen to what he's saying. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't on the set. I wasn't privy to these conversations. You know, I've gone from thinking, well, maybe, he's, you know, he's not a big actor. He's not really got anything off the back of this. Is he looking to sort of look for an excuse of why these things haven't popped for him since? To now thinking, yeah, the guy's generally got a genuine complaint there without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. You know, regardless of who he said, she said, and whoever you believe, it's there on the fucking screen for you to see now that this guy yeah, was yeah. mistreated. Definitely that character was given short strip without a shadow of a doubt. His character was given a poor, was given a poor, a poor show in that and, original. Yeah. And you know, I think there's going to be arguments against what I'm about to say, but I think there's so much positives to be taken from the fact that this film. I don't agree with the way it came about and the conduct of a lot of people who were behind it on social media. You know, they they were just some of the, these so-called fans were rabid and they they gave fandom a bad name. But you know, the people that genuinely were curious and wanted to see Snyder's original version, those people who got behind the film in a positive way and opened Warner Brothers' eyes to what they may have, you know, the, the potential of making more money from this film. I think the fact that it's highlighted the fact that. You know, Ray Fisher's character got, you know, paid short shrift. And, you know, a lot of other things which have come about, which have allowed Snyder as well to, you know, to, to kind of, you know, finish the film, which which I can imagine would be quite cathartic from his point of view, given all the tragedy he went through in 2017 and mm. onwards. I do think there's a lot of positives to be gained from this. And, the you know, one of the biggest is the fact that we can now see the cyborg story as it was meant to be told. Yeah. It was a great story. I I was genuinely invested in that character. You know, there was a couple of things sort of aesthetically I wasn't too fussed on, you know, with the Yeah, the aesthetically, you know, I did promise I'm not going to use the term dime store Iron Man, but there, there are times when I'm looking at him, I'm seeing him like sort of learning to fly with his jets, and I'm thinking that was done. That, that was done, and it, it was made to look, you know, 10 times better in 2008 by Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. You just read like, my mind completely. Yeah. Dime store Iron Man meets bad General Grievous. Yeah, and, and don't, get me, don't get me wrong, Marvel Studios haven't always got it right. Don Cheadle's no. floating head on that war machine suit at the end of Infinity War mm. really still gets me, you know, to this day. It was the same with uh, Mark Ruffalo when he was in the Hulkbuster thing. It just looked a bit yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. But when you look at the amount of effects that film is juggling and, and the things that it did get right, you, you excused the little problems like that. Yeah, well, a little, a little problem like that is a sort of a best 10-second scene. It's not a main character yeah. front and centre for all to see, is it? Although I will say, and it's something I mentioned in my original review of Justice League, is that when Ray Fisher's got his hoodie on, and you can see that, you know, that, that sort of chest like the one ever glowing through it, and, and he's partially covered, I think then he does look quite good. Yeah. yeah. But it's when he's fully exposed, it just... Yeah, it looks a little too cartoony, doesn't it? It looks yeah, a little it too... Is. Yeah. Almost sort of like, um, I was going to say Transformers, but I'd say more Power Rangers, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there was a bit of controversy when Transformers actor Josh Duhamel, in his 2017 <laughs> version, he actually sacked Junkie XL and, and took Danny Elfman on board to do the score. Obviously, with Snyder's version now, uh, Junkie XL has done in, you know the, the score in its entirety. What do you think of the musical score accompanied the film? Uh, as much as I would, I'm not a massive fan of Elfman, a lot of the stuff, for me, did work like, you know? Mm. Not so much the score with this, but some of the song choices with this. Yeah. I was just like, oh, they were just really jarring and great. The actual score I thought was good. i got to be honest. Yeah. I, you know, I enjoyed yeah. it. But like you say, some of the song choices on this. I think with with Snyder, he's almost a sort of victim of his own success with, with the Watchmen film. Hmm. 
where you can put a bit of lead and coat in there and it works because and again you can the color palette you can make it dark you can make it grimier because it fits with that type of story with this type of story i was like sort of like it's almost like as if someone's put their own playlist over the top of a movie yeah, yeah. the most jarring bit was the was when lois was walking through the streets of um, metropolis and there was i can't remember the song that was playing but that was that was the most of all the slow-mo sequences and and the and the sort of the songs that were playing over it was the most the, the, the one that pulled me out of it the most and, well, and rich do you know the one that irked me the most was when what? we first see uh flash rescuing the girl from the the, the truck crash and he's in the, the you know the the, the, the pet store yeah is the, yeah. the, the, the grooming yeah. dog grooming place you know go trying to get a job and the song that accompanied that slow motion scene and, and just that scene in general I really didn't like that one, I have to say. That scene in general, on my life, mate, that was... If that had been on one of the sort of uh, DCCW shows, yeah, I wouldn't have excused it, but I could have almost mm. accepted it. You wouldn't have seen that on a CW show. No. I, th- I think what honesty. they've said is, haven't they, there's, 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 I've read an explanation for it, because, it, you know, it, it is a bit, it's a bit weird and a bit strange, isn't it? And, and I think one of the explanations that's been provided for the bit when he sort of kind of catches her coming out of the car but brushes hair away from her face and all that sort of stuff whereas it is it's a bit awkward and a bit creepy potentially people have said well the the speed that he is traveling he can't just catch her because he would he would yeah punch a hole in her or or break her neck yeah Um, yeah 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 The, the biggest the biggest problem that i've got with with this film i think is possibly ezra miller and the flash um, mm. I just find everything with him. He's not as charming, and he's not as um, he's not as endearing as um, Tom Holland as Spider Man. And that's the kind of character they're going for the mm, the in yeah. all the you know the, the 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 young kid sort of looking up to to Batman. And maybe in other films he has. I'm not a big sort of Ezra Miller fan, but in this he he jars an, an awful lot of the dialogue that he delivers and an awful lot of the scenes that he's in. I find him very jarring and whereas cyborg was the extra character on the side in the previous film and and i put ezra miller's i put the flash's humor down to the stuff that we heard about um joshua jackson's direction it, it's <laughs> um, it, i think it's more about him it, it, it's it's him it's the way that he, he Rich, sort of, you, you've got imdb open haven't you because joshua jackson's star of dawson's creek was going to be my next one <laughs> <laughs> i Listen, I think, like you say, I, I, I think a lot of that, um, I think when Auntie Joshua came back on and was taking <laughs> on this film, <laughs> he, was, he, was looking to, he was looking to inject humour. And a lot of the time, I'm going to compare it to like the sort of um, Paul Feig uh, Ghostbusters reboot. Mm. Where the... Not seen it. You're a very lucky man. But <laughs> where he kind of like let people just improvise and just babble and keep talking in the, in the hope that something would prove to be funny. Yeah. And a lot of time with Ezra Miller, well, I was, I was almost giving him a break with that because I was thinking, like, whether Josh Groban had said to him, just ro- roll with it, you know, just roll with it and something good will come. But now from watching this, when it's more sort of reined in and more Snyder's vision of it, I can confirm that, no, you know, the Flash is just an annoying twat of a character. Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's when, when everyone else, when, everyone, when, when all the other characters seem organic and I feel like you've had a journey with them he's just there for the yeah. Sake of but, yeah I, I think one of the things I didn't like funny. about him is and I, I I actually quite liked him 
and I, I probably liked him maybe more in this version once you got rid of that Joss Whedon humour and, and you know this was just Snyder's game it was some of the physicality some of the stuff that you know James Hancock mentioned in, in, in his re- review of this film that what's the thing he does with his hands when he's running it's like really yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. overly yeah, exaggerated like, thing with his fingers like, and it's just like fanning out his fingers, like, yeah. almost, like almost doing like a sort of like a two gun salute in slow motion. When what you, you want know, to be you know, doing is modeling yourself on an Olympic sprinter, yeah. You want to look like Usain Bolt, yeah. You want, yeah, that's what you want to be <laughs> you doing, want to look like a slow down version of Usain. If you want to look at him, perhaps you know, a sort of a role model for him, Sir Thomas Cruz would be, you know, just watch Tom Cruise run in slow motion, exactly. Yeah. That was that's what the flash looks like. Obviously, Tom Cruise runs about five times faster than the flash in reality. Yes, I think he does, yeah. <laughs> and I think he's got the ability to alter time as well, which is why he doesn't age, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there was that bit about you know, Ezra, Ezra, Ezra Miller's performance. I just thought, you know, there's lots of don't get me wrong, I think so far we've been quite positive about this film, but it is still. I think, riddled with problems. And like you said, Neil, I think a lot of people fall into the camps of they either love Zack Snyder or they hate him. Very few I'm people like, seem I, to... I, yeah, it's because I'm kind of on the fence with that. I, I, I am, I some am. Of his, some, some of his movies, like I said, The, the Dawn of the Dead. Um, yeah, I love Dawn of the Dead. Watchmen, yeah. both versions of Watchmen I've seen, I've enjoyed. Yeah. You know, but then, like you say, you've got like the Sucker Punches. Oh, and, Sucker Punches, you know, dreadful. You know, so, I, you know, I accept the fact that he's not the be-all and end-all and the saviour of film. But I also accept, what's that, you got a Dave Batista film coming out, now I need a zombie film. Yeah. You know, that's either going to be really enjoyable or fucking drop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I kind of accept that with a Zack Snyder film, that I'm either going to watch it and go, that was all right, actually, yeah. or go, that was fucking useless. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've got to say, every interview I've ever seen with a guy, he's very passionate. He does genuinely seem like a nice guy. And unlike... The, the previous director of this film, who, who... that'd be, that, that, Josh... that'd be star of Lost, Josh Holloway. I've had that one. Have you? Josh Sorry. Gad. Josh Gad, Josh... yeah. Josh Gad, yeah. Jockey Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unlike you know the uh, you know the, the, the previous guy who 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 came on board to, to direct this film, you know I I, I haven't heard much you know in, in a way of bad if anything said about Zack Snyder, if anything, everyone said what a genuinely lovely guy he is. Yeah. So do you think that there's, spoken about um, Cyborg, we've spoken about The Flash, what about, we come to come to Superman last, what about Wonder Woman and Batman then? Uh, we've, well, I, we've pretty much talked about Batman as well, haven't we? You know, the reason I ask is because I feel now I'm, I'm happy with Wonder Woman again, because, you know, yeah, she was, she, she was, was a complete most, was badass most, in this film. Yeah, I think she was, yeah, the, most, she she was, was. The, most not- she was the most noticeable, similar character to the film I'd watched before. If I when I came away from the um, the Joshua Tree version, that was the one complaint I didn't have. Again, was as much as they fucked that film up, they're still getting Wonder Woman right. Yeah, yeah. And watching this again, it was noticeable with a lot of the other characters. I mean, you know, particularly we haven't really gone on about Cavill's sort of um, changing it as well. But it was noticeable with virtually every one of the other main characters how different they were from what was presented to us before. Mm. Yeah. And about midway through the film, I thought, oh, her scenes just seem to be exactly the same. You know, are they giving her a short shrift? And I was like, no, because they got it right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I say that was the one thing I couldn't couldn't fault on the last film was I like Diana Prince. This is great. I like this character. I want to see more of this character. Yeah, I think what she does in this film, which I think definitely more in this version than maybe in the other one, is she is the person that carries much of the exposition, but at the same time, 
when it comes down to it and we're seeing this team act in unison in these big action scenes she's always like front and center and ultimately you know she's the one that finishes off Steppenwolf which is a completely different ending to how he you know goes in Joss Whedon's film I, you know like I say yeah I, I'm happy with Wonder Woman again in this film having been you know very disappointed with Wonder Woman 84 going back to Batman though one thing about Batman as much as you know, Ben Affleck seems to be having a hell of a lot more fun in this film, there's little things about Batman that think, or make me think, is that the Batman I know? The fact that Batman is the world's greatest detective, everything is very much you know planned out, scientific, thought out, very meticulous. Whereas in this film, this older version of Batman is putting things, as he says to Alfred, putting things down to faith. And that was a little twist on Batman that I haven't seen before in films, and I think I get quite warm to that. Yeah, it's a, it's a different sort of perspective to it, isn't it? Like you say, there's so much that we could have seen. I mean, obviously it's hinted in the epilogue as well. There's so much that we could have seen had the sort of Batfleck been given a chance to progress. Yeah. Hmm. You know, things that were hinted at definitely with Batman v Superman with the death of Robin. Little snippets, just a little bit with Harley in Suicide Squad in fairness. You know, yeah, it yeah. showed it showed a completely different side of Batman. Hmm. A Batman that was sort of worn down, broken... And it was almost sort of willing to accept his own faults as well. Yeah. Because I would say that's the one thing you can say about um, Bale's Batman is he's consistent in the fact that he is right in what he's doing. From, you know, from the time he comes back and, you know, goes to shoot um, uh, Joe Chill right the way through to the sort of ending with Bane, he's consistent in... I need to keep, you know, it's Alfred reining him in constantly, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Whereas with this, it was almost sometimes as if Alfred would sort of question what Bruce was doing, but by the same token, had realised that Bruce had gone too far to be reasoned with sometimes. Yeah. I really think we missed a trick. I really think we missed a trick with not getting a solo Batfleck film. Well, Neil, that brings me to my next thing of, this has rammed home even more to me than before I went into it, that I, I just have no want need or desire to see the batman no. well the way, the way it's going i mean allegedly with you know <laughs> what else has been happening on set nowadays mm. <laughs> you might not at this rate <laughs> I, I really don't I, i'm now warming even more to affleck's version of batman and even though it's it's far from being the perfect version of batman on screen for me it's the version of batman that we've now got and because of this film and because of the things it's putting into place even though I don't think all of it's great, I don't think a lot of it's great, it's still the version of Batman that I'd like to see progressed because to bring another one in with Robert Pattinson, with potentially a, you know, a change in tone or God knows what, I just, enough's enough. I don't want another version of Batman at the moment. With, with, with Affleck's Batman, you, you've got a good relationship with a good Alfred. I think Jeremy Irons is good as Alfred. Oh, yeah, I like his brilliant. version of Alfred. You know, he's yeah. very, um, I don't know, if he's... he's not unlike the version of Alfred from the, the Gotham TV series, which was one of the only really good things about the Gotham TV series was Sean Pertwee as, as, as Alfred. It's obviously playing younger, playing a younger sort of military guy. I totally agree with you that, that I think we deserve to see a, a, a Batman film with Affleck now because we've had it. We've, We've had so much teased. We've, you know, where is it? It should have been done. You know, we should have had his solo film, or we should have had the other bits before we had the team up. What we've got now is we've got those threads of story where, you know, he'd been Batman for twenty years, and then the Robin was killed. You know, we're, we're led to believe that he's he sort of stepped away and come back. Well, it would be really, really interesting now to either pick up so we can explore more of that or tell the earlier story, whatever. I think that he's now, whereas we didn't necessarily want a new iteration of Batman in his own film, now 
with the, with the few films that we've had with Affleck in now, I think would be the time for us to say, right, well, let's have a solo project with with, yeah. with Affleck. Let really, really let him go to town on this character because I think I think he's I think he's doing a cracking job. And as you say, it, it, it's he is by hook or by crook. The same with Cavill. I do think they fought for they fought for the right to be those those characters. Yeah, you know? and they're, they're two actors as well that you kind of get the impression they want to play these characters. I mean, yeah, Cavill, yeah, yeah. Affleck's not so much. I would say he's had his own sort of personal battles and demons and stuff like that. And sometimes it must be a case of, do I really want to talk about playing Batman again when you know I've got so much else going on? But I mean, Cavill outwardly has said when people say, you know. Oh well, what would happen is, and would you cons- He's like, there's no consider about it. The Superman cape is in the wardrobe. It's ready to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever they give me the chance, I'm putting it back on. You know, and yeah. it looks like now he's not going to get him in his room. Is a Michael B. Jordan doing this? I can't remember the character's name now, but um, the sort of alternate version of Superman. That and you know, there's room for that. These multiverse films, but like you say, it just seems an awful waste hmm. to have someone who's pretty much. A good fit for the role for me, anyway. I know certainly I think, like him, but you know, and but is passionate got, about wanting to do it. I got a theory that the reason why the Snyder Cut got made or, or was allowed to be finished was was twofold. It's a way of testing the audience. It's a way of letting whatever, whatever the the lack of faith that Warner's had or whatever whatever it was what went on behind the scenes. They've got an opportunity to either confirm that they were right. So let give give Affleck, you know, give him this much. Sorry, give um, give Snyder this much money. Send him away. You do what you want to do. You want to do a four by three? Yeah, crack on. You do what you want to do. In the back of their minds, either thinking it's either going to be fantastic or it's going to fall flat on their face, and they're leaving well, him to it to, to yeah, crack it on. A, with it. it was a win win situation. It was a win win situation, wasn't it? Because you're yeah, giving, but, if you like, the the sort of inverted commas, the fans what they want. Yeah. You're also getting mass publicity from social media for free anyway. And, and you're, pub- you're publicising publicizing HBO Max at the same time, aren't you? And and also we're getting a chance to see without having to get him back to get them back in the studio for filming and all the rest of it. Okay, there was the extra sequence that was shot. But do audiences want Henry Cavill as Superman? Well, you know, this film, this is an opportunity to see many, many scenes of Superman that haven't yet been seen and and to test the water. Well, we're not committed on whether or not we're going to have Cavill back, but let's see what the reaction is to the Snyder Cut, where we actually, okay, Superman in a black suit, but we see him as a confident Superman. And and it's it's kind of that thing of, you know, it's, it is, as you say, it's a win-win situation because now the audiences can look at it and say, right, well, you know, I want to. I, I want to see more of that. I want. You know, I want to see. Or, no, we're done with it. We're done with it. And I think that you know, it was that thing of we can either shut up. You know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shut up those people that have always gone on about the fact that the Snyder should have been done. But by the same token, they they can then step back and say, yeah, we had every faith. Here it is. And now, you know, I wouldn't. I would not be surprised. I'm not. You know, I, I'm not on social media very much at all. But I'm not seeing negativity about any of the main actors. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some sort of Cavill on for whether or not it's it's, it's sort of a team up film or whatever. But we're going to see Cavill back now off the back of this. I would I would have, I would be very surprised if we didn't because I, I think like, that... I'd like to I'd like to see him back as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I, really You know, I, I prior to this film, I'm probably slightly jaded and slightly biased. That prior to the, this new version of the film, I always thought that he wasn't given a chance anyway. If 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 he'd done a second Brandon Routh film, I'd have accepted that as well. 
you know, for the, for the same reasons, you've got awfully big boots to fill there. You know, give someone a chance and give them a time to develop and become their own Superman, if you like. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you could argue that Cavill's done three, or perhaps in this case now we could even say three and a half Superman films. But for me, he's only actually done one Superman film, you know, which yeah. is a solo outing. I'd love to see Man of Steel. I mean, let's be honest, Man of Steel 2... It's a pretty safe bet. You know, yeah. all right, yeah, it's not going to do Avengers-type money. It's not going to do Endgame-type money. Let's, but it's a pretty safe bet that if you spend $300 million on this film, you're going to clock in around the sort of $800, $900 million return on it anyway. Well, guys, you know, who, who could have predicted that Aquaman would have been, you know, a, a, a billion-plus film? Again, you know, as much as I don't think it's a great film, I kind of like Momoa in the role. He plays it just enough tongue-in-cheek for me to accept it. And again, I think, you know, was, was he just... You know, was that film lucky just by circumstance that, you know, rival releases weren't doing as well? I don't know. But again, with that film, if that film had made $500 million, I think it would have been, you know, a sort of realistic target for it. You know, like you say, all right, it did a lot more than it was expected. But again, you know, are, we rush, are they rushing to see Aquaman, you know, to, to see Aquaman 2 move into production? You know, I know we've had setbacks and delays with the pandemic. That film could have been in pre-production, at least, I'd have thought. But it didn't seem to be, did it? Mm. And again, I think it all comes down, Neil, to just Warner Brothers just not knowing what they need to be doing and, and what, what they should be doing with this franchise. Yeah, and th- well, that was the one criticism with Iron Man 2, wasn't it? There was a bit rushed. I mean, they had a little route map of what they were going to do. Yeah. I mean, on, on reflection... You know, I was slightly disappointed the first viewing of Iron Man 2, but as time's gone on, I've come to appreciate it differently. You know, that was almost a case of, well, I've seen interviews with Favreau when he said it was that much of a success that they were like, right, we're green lighting Iron Man 2, get it done now, you yeah. know? And I can kind of understand. You know, you'd have thought with Warner Brothers that they would have looked at Aquaman and said, well, look, this is a bit of a shock, but it's a rather nice, pleasant surprise. Let's, let's crack, while the, you know, crack while the iron's hot and get on with Aquaman 2. It didn't seem to come around that quickly, did it? I mean, it was also. I think it had a twenty twenty two release date before the, the the sort of pandemic hit. Yeah, and I think it's it's going to be hard to gauge, you know, how much damage that you know the pandemic has done to to, to everyone's slate, really, because I I can't see that everything is just ground to a halt and studios, you know, they're going to be reluctant to be, you know, green like the these films, knowing full well that they're unlikely to get theatrical releases. So everything kind of gets put on hold. And it is going to be hard to judge now where we would have been at this point had COVID not happened. Yeah. But that's what I was saying. Pre-COVID, I think Aquaman 2 was 2022 anyway. Right. But they announced, this, they announced a spin-off of Aquaman, didn't they? Where it Wasn't it something to do with the... The, 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 the sort of darker the elements of... Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, sort of yeah. fishmen, which yeah. was bizarre, wasn't it? It was going to be like a horror it was film. Bizarre. Oh, yeah. again, which smacks of just Warner's just lack of understanding of what they've got and what they should be doing. I mean, that's the thing. You could you could argue that Tom Phillips was a visionary, and you know, and or you know, got lucky the Warner Brothers took a chance. But I honestly think they were taking a chance on anything anyway. Mm. You know, I like we we said it last time. We 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 said it before. It just seems to be with DC and Warner's. We'll chuck money at, at things and just try it out and see what works. But unfortunately, audiences don't. Am I wrong? We don't really. We don't want that, do we? We want. We want. A structure you know we we can enjoy joker which we did enjoy joker we can enjoy aquaman or we can enjoy you know maybe robert patterns the batman will be enjoyable who knows time will tell but if they were to turn around and say right it's going to be it's going to be two three years before the next one comes back but what we're going to do now is we're going to 
take a measured approach to building this universe. I think the vast majority of us would welcome that sort of decision. And if it was well, a case of we're not going to see, we're going to see, but Affleck's going to be back, but he's going to be in, he's going to be in the Batman in 2025. We'd, we'd accept that. Yeah. And I think, like you say, I think that's the way you, you have to sort of pick a lane, don't you? Either go, we're going to do single standalone films or standalone character franchises. So we're going to have three Batfleck films or we're going to have two Joaquin Phoenix Jokers or we're going to have whatever. Or you yeah. go, we're going to build to a cinematic universe. And it's one or the other. And they seem to have varied between the two, don't they? And like you say, it's very hit and miss. And a lot more of it is missed than hit, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So guys, this is a four-hour film. There's a lot of stuff here. We've obviously been quite positive in the stuff that we think is an improvement over the 2017 version. What are the things in the film that you don't like? For me, and I was going to leave this to the end and sort of summarising this, it's a very bad two-hour film and a passable four-hour film, but I cannot but think there's a really good three-hour film here. Ah, oh, bang on, Neil. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. be more, mate. <laughs> um, to me, sometimes less is more. And I know you can go, you know, you can look at things and say, well, look, the, the original sort of uh, Josh film was uh, was ripped to bits and, you know, it was really just disjointed, wasn't it? Let's be honest, oh, it yeah. wasn't even ripped yeah. to bits, it was disjointed. Like, But with this, there just seemed to be a little bit too much of, Zach, we kind of understand what you're doing. And I, I gotta be honest, I res- respect and appreciate what he's done with this film. But you sometimes got to rein in a little bit more, you know. If you keep adding to that soup, eventually that soup's going to turn sour, you know. Of course, yeah, yeah. You and know, I, and no, it, I think it takes. He just he's overcooked it. Is the best analogy I can use here when I'm talking about that soup, you know. Yeah, I just think he's got a load of ingredients in front of him. Instead of picking the best ingredients, he's picked all the ingredients and he's mixed it all together and he's given us everything. And I think again. Much of the problem I've got with with Zack Snyder as a filmmaker is the fact that sometimes there's no creative restraint and he needs to just step back and say, do you know what? I've taken this color grading a bit too far. Let's dial things back a bit. And I think with the editing, there's problems with the editing and he's given us everything. And I think, yeah, go in there now with a, a more judicious editing head on your shoulders and you could easily take out, I think, 25 to 30 minutes of footage out of this film. And then I think you'll yeah. have a far better film. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd say three and a half. I think I, because I, I, I was thinking this. I was thinking, what, what could you lose? There's certain some, some scenes went on a bit too long. The locals singing to Aquaman went on too long. I think it was the, individual the, the, shots, actually, Rich. You, you know, we talk about that battle on Themyscira at the beginning. The amount of slow motion in oh, this film, God, you're, yeah. gonna, you're gonna probably shave yeah. twenty minutes off it. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, there's the bit where you know um, on Themyscira where they you know they throw in the um, the mother box to each other to keep it away from uh, Darkseid. Where have you seen in a film, guys, where the heroes are trying to keep an item away from the bad guys by chucking it from one to the other? Have you seen that recently at all? Yeah, I was gonna say Ooh, I, I don't uh... I don't want to throw down the gauntlet when I'm talking about that, but you know <laughs> <laughs> that challenge. But uh, I say going back and watching the the, the Joss uh, wedding version of it, I'd only seen that once, so I thought, look, I got to do this film service. I have to go back and watch that version again, you know. So I was like, right, I've got to give this film a bit of service, and I've got to re- sit down and rewatch it. And watching that scene, I was like, oh, I remember that being quite sort of cheesy when I watched it the first time. And when I watched it this time, I was like, it's actually quite a good scene. It's quite compact. It's quite punchy. It it sort of fits in with what it is. Now, with this version, again, bells and whistles, you know, put some graphic gory shots in there, you know, stretch it out a bit more. And I was like, I didn't really need it, to be honest. Yeah. 
I, I don't think, guys, in this film at all, the way the action is handled is anywhere near as good as let's you know keep it away from the Marvel comparisons for once and just go back to Batman versus Superman. There's nothing in it which is going to match that warehouse fight, especially in you know the, the more violent version in the Ultimate Cut. And I don't, I, I'm gonna have to put my cards on the table here. I don't think that the Ultimate Edition of Batman versus Superman adds anything to the film that we needed. Really, it it pads out the story in places, gives the film more room to breathe in, in places, but it gives us so many unnecessary subplots and stuff that i just think but just completely you know it was extra fat on the meat which we just didn't want yeah but mm. that warehouse scene in all this gory glory seeing batman fully unleashed which yeah i know there's an argument that batman doesn't kill this version of batman it's been established hasn't got the same sort of morals but from a point of view of purely the way the action is directed that is just a textbook action scene and i don't think in yeah. this film there's anything to match that Nowhere near, nowhere near that. And I would say with the famous no, no. stuff as well, I would say a lot of that looked so green screen, so almost jarringly CGI. Mm. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna do it again. I'm gonna do it again. I should say with the MCU stuff, that final battle in game is CGI heavy. Mm. But at no point do I feel that it's CGI heavy. Yeah, it's it, you know. It, I it's... can appreciate, I can appreciate the fact that I can see a behind the scenes footage of that of Chris Pratt running rounds behind a green background, you know, and Dave Batista with dots on his face. You know, I can yeah. appreciate that. I know it's not real, but it fits and it works when I watch that. Whereas with that, I was like, there were certain points where, I can't remember um, Diana's mother's name, sorry, the character's name. She was riding like a CGI horse and it was cutting back to obviously her being in the studio somewhere, being sort of yeah, simulated yeah. galloping. And I was like, what the fuck? That looks awful. That, that is exactly the scene I was going to mention. Was the yeah. fact that there was a there was a few shots of her on horseback that looked chunky. They didn't need to be in it. We was we she we'd already established that the character we are watching from a distance on horseback is her. We don't need yeah. these chunky close-ups. They it, it just smacked of him just thinking, let's just throw everything in and yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of like right that shot does need to be in. Let's get rid of it. Yeah, he had a real opportunity. I think that yeah to show I, I, I at certain points I think he was obviously deprived of the freedom due to terrible circumstances and then was given a bit of freedom. I think as this process went on and the amount of sort of, not all overwhelmingly, but the amount of good press that he was, the, the, the HBO and Warner Brothers were getting for doing this, I think they gave him more and more leeway as the film went on. Yeah. Like you say, at certain points, I don't know, you know, whether it would have been his, like I know Deborah Snyder works with him as well, don't she, and stuff like that. Whether it be his wife or his friends or his co-workers or whoever, somebody needed to sit down with him and say, you're on a winner. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this properly. Let's not overcook this. And there were certain bits where, like you say, you could have just shaved five minutes out of that, you know, or two, three minutes. And there was a lot of scenes in this film where I was thinking, do you know what? If you'd taken out a minute of that, this film would have been a lot tighter and a lot more consistent where there were certain scenes where I was thinking, this is just going on far too long now. Yeah. You know, like I say, I mean, that contradicts what I was saying earlier about I didn't feel as if I sat there for a four-hour slog, because I didn't. Because I was generally interested, and I will say, I don't know if it would be the case on the second viewing or definitely not on the third viewing, but I was generally interested. My interest was held throughout this film. Yeah. And I say, especially watching the cinematic version so close to it, mm. you know, with... I gotta be honest, fairly fresh eyes because I couldn't remember a lot about my cinematic experience of seeing it, if I'm completely honest. But there were certain scenes where I was like, ah, oh, do you know what? I, 
I'm watching this for the first time with fresh eyes, and I'm already thinking of what I could cut out. And I don't do I don't do that a lot on the first viewing of a film. Yeah, and but I, what I will say, Neil, is I, I fully agree with you. And you know, this particular bit of criticism is is, is something that I, I brought up myself. But then there's the flip side of Daniel. I wanted to see more of Henry Cavill's Superman. Yes. And in a four-hour film where we've righted a lot of wrongs of the 2017 version, we've now got the black suit Superman, which so much fuss was made of. I think, again, even though we've, we, you know, it, it's righted the wrong of Ray Fisher having had all of that plot removed, I wanted more Henry Cavill. I, 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 want, I wanted more yeah. Superman, and we didn't yeah. get enough. And in a four-hour film, for us not to get enough Superman in a Justice League film... I think, from our point of view, it's just, you know, he's missed a trick I com- again. I completely agree with you on that. And my initial sort of predictions for this film were that perhaps we were almost getting like a, so not a, an hour version of a Superman film thrown into it, but definitely a 30 or 40 minute sort of almost subplot, if you like, hmm. about Clark or Kyle coming back and sort of, you know, realizing who he is. I'm not a massive comic book fan. You know, I like comic book movies, but I'm not a massive comic book fan. But I know the purpose of the black suit. Yeah. And the purpose of the black suit wasn't used here. The purpose of the black suit was Superman's going to put on a black suit. That was all. There was no reference to that made at all. You know, he flew up in the air, went into space, held his hands out, Jesus, like in front of the sun, and then was back on board. There was no sort of real sort of development of that character. You know, he went back to the farm with Lois. They had that sort of one scene which we'd already sort of seen in the original cinematic version, but slightly drawn out when she was explaining about his mother with, you know, money and her being a proud. And he was like, I don't understand what that is. You know, there were certain things like, you know, where she was saying, at least you're talking now. Well, did, did, did he not talk before? And I thought, all right, this is what we're going to get now. We're going to get a little subplot where, you know, slowly he'll become Superman again. And it was almost as if he gave his mum and Lois a bit of a hug Went went and chucked on a bit of black instead of blue and red, flew up in the air, and it was like da 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 da. He's back. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what well, I will say, what, what I will say uh, in the Superman story, the stuff that they reshot for Joss Whedon's, it didn't didn't work for me at all. The, all the stuff with Lois and and uh, Martha Kent, everything felt just forced and exposition heavy and really clunky, and and even down to. You know, there's the, the sequence where Martha goes to visit Lois in the Daily Planet, and I'm sure they filmed it in the staff room because there's it doesn't it's not it, it, it's some random room in yeah. the Daily Planet that it's not you know it isn't the Daily Planet it clearly is and everything. Whereas this, it, 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 the footage that Zack Snyder had shot, it felt as though it felt far more believable. Lois grieving that that yeah. all felt a lot more believable rather than what we'd had. It didn't seem to be so maudlin. Um, it was nice, which I didn't pick up on until I saw it today. Mark McClure was the police officer. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mark McClure, uh, Jimmy Olsen, which I hadn't picked up on. I would have liked the black suit, as you say, to have been used the way that it was in the comics. So that sequence where he stood outside the when he first uh, rose from um, Star Labs and came down to the demolished statue, him to have been in the black suit then. But what I did like was what we got of Superman. For me, it left us wanting more Superman, you know, as if Man of Steel 2 was going to come next kind of thing. If that was perhaps, perhaps that was the plan of it. Maybe this was always supposed to be Batman's sort of film. So I think it's difficult to 
it's very very difficult to to see it in isolation and not compare it to the to, to Joss Whedon's film. And with with Joss Whedon, it was so intent on forcing this Christopher Reeve version of Superman on Henry Cavill. Whereas with this, what I felt like we got, albeit he did recover quite quickly, I liked the iconography of him in the sun, um, obviously absorbing the, 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 the race from the sun, but then also going through the ship and hearing Russell Crowe as Jor-El and hearing uh, Kevin Costner and the music, uh, where I said before about um, um, flight, the, the, the theme um, of, of, of uh, the Hans Zimmer did for Man of Steel, that music is building up in the background as that scene is playing and I had goosebumps watching that. Yeah. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't a long enough, it wasn't, there wasn't enough attention paid to his finding himself again and, and getting back to, to think, I think perhaps because it was so far into the film that this happened, perhaps we should have had, you know, perhaps Superman's chapter should have been a chapter before. So we'd have, we could have spent more time with him because by that point we we're getting right towards the end of the film anyway. So yeah. it's, it's quite felt... strange with a film full of chapters. We don't get a dedicated Superman chapter, yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, I and certainly would have taken more Superman and, and less Ezra Miller. To be honest, definitely, definitely. And so, what do we think, then, guys, of the fact that we've got more Steppenwolf now, and we've got a hell of a lot more Darkseid? Well, it seemed a strange it's choice anyway to cut Darkseid out, didn't it? Originally, like, crazy. It just, yeah, yeah, absolutely bonkers. Or, or was that where this was maybe going to be two films, and the fact that Steppenwolf was going to lead in the first film into Darkseid in the second film? But then, when we see the fact that the film, as Snyder originally constructed, had so much dark side in it, I, I don't know if that was the case. It makes I, you think it's... that it was actually three films, doesn't it? Because it feels like this was two films. Yeah, I, I yeah. think. Yeah. And then, and then, Dark Side was going to be the big bad of the third film. That's that, yeah. that's that's what makes sense to me. But Steppenwolf again, what 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 a difference! You know, he for me, he was always <laughs> he was always a dime store Thanos. Yeah. In, in Joss Whedon's, he was terrible. The the CGI on his face, mm, it, it I... felt like something that you would see in a CW show. It felt, which you would accept if you were watching a CW show, but you're not accepting in this this massive franchise film. Although, Rich, looked, I, I but... still think that comparing them against Thanos is never going to come come off well because oh no, it isn't. It is. I, I still but... think he's leagues below Thanos in terms of you know a well well rounded villain. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, it, it, even down to the, I'm, I'm more sort of saying from the technical sort of structure of his face and and, and blatantly, you know, just 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 quite a poor CG character in, yeah, um, yeah. in in everything about Steppenwolf in this version is improved. I'm not saying that he is. Yeah, oh yeah, I agree. I agree, Rich. Yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, what we've got now is definitely improved over the previous version. Yeah. And and believable as well, and you and you buy him as a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, you do. Yeah, it never even sounded like you were in the same room as the other characters in the first film. In the first, there's more clarity of purpose to his role now, and and the fact that you know he is here, hell of a debt that he owes uh, Darkseid. Mind, it was it fifty thousand worlds? Fifty thousand worlds, yeah. Wow, like, almost like sort of Silver Surfer and Rise of Silver Surfer with Galactus, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it makes me feel less sort of anxious about paying off my mortgage now. <laughs> yeah, things just things spiral, don't they? They do spiral. <laughs> That's a hell of a death. So, guys, we've covered the, the, the technical choices, the editing, uh, you know, the, the the music, the improvements in footage that we've now seen, and and stuff which has been removed, the performances, the characters. Let's move on to that epilogue because I've got issues with it, both for and against. In particular, when we see. 
that sort of future vision which we first saw in Batman versus Superman. What do you think, guys, of that and where it's positioned in the film? Because I've got some problems with it. My biggest query is is in the in the first one it was you know in Batman v Superman it was it was quite fortunate wasn't it because he was able to see he saw the the demon what were they called what are, Par- what are parademons the, parademons right so so he was he was accurate with them wasn't he so it wasn't just a kind of you know had we seen them in in Justice League and then he had visions so he could see them we, you you get the context of it but when he hadn't yet met the parademons you you've got to think that you know there's some truth to the vision how, how is he how is he having these visions how is mm. he having these these dreams if it had been if it had been shown as a possible future this is something that has to be avoided it put the context on it that way i, I didn't i didn't dislike i didn't I, you know i may be going on a limb i didn't just dislike uh, jared leto uh, as joker i didn't dislike him i don't really see the point of it i don't see the point of that that sequence Unless it was something that they were going to explore in um, in a future film, and it was a case of, well, you're seeing everything that we were going to do. You know, it isn't going to be paid off because, as, you know, as we know, you know, this is the end of it, or we believe this is the end of it. But it's just a case of, well, I'm just showing you what, what this was always going to be in it, kind of thing. Let's, you know? let's see what you could have won, type thing. But you had yeah, that kind of thing, yeah. You had that sort of like, well, there was the bit on uh, Superman's ship, wasn't it, where Cyborg was doing, you know, the sort of first premonition, where Cyborg was just about to boot everything up, and he said no, and Flash thought he said go, and and he, and Cyborg had a premonition, that was, didn't he? That, that was the, the ship showing, wasn't it? That was yeah, the, the, the ship, ship showing. The ship shows him that the Superman was ultimately going to destroy the Justice League and kill Batman, and you know, Aquaman was going to get stabbed and you know, killed and stuff like that. And it was all this sort of like premonition stuff, like you say. That was that the second movie that we were getting there little glimpses of the second movie, or? But again, you know, if you're not going to do the second movie, don't fucking put it in there. Yeah, I think this was the case of guys that in 2017, if things hadn't happened as tragically as they had, and if the studio hadn't interfered as they had, and if Zack Snyder had been allowed to make the film that he wanted to make, first off, he wouldn't have been able to make a four-hour film anyway. But if he was going to end up making the series as planned, then yeah, there would have been a place for this future nightmare scene. There would have also have been, you know, there would have also have been, you know, reason to have Deathstroke turn up and to set up the Batman film because apparently he was going to be the main, you know, antagonist in that film. Yeah, yeah. But when you remove the, you know, the fact that we're ever probably going to see these films, I mean, I would actually like, you know, like I said, I would like to see a continuation of this series now because this is what we've got. I don't want to be cutting things off and going into a new iteration of Batman with Robert Pattinson. I just don't want or need it. But when you're making a film now in 2021, knowing that this probably is going to be a full stop to this saga, do you really need to put in all of these coders and epilogues and stuff like that? Because I just think if he brought it to a satisfying conclusion, which ultimately with the Martian Manhunter scene, you know, and, and having only seen him in that one brief scene earlier on, I don't think this film wraps itself up particularly well. And I gotta say, well, it, I think to, I was gonna say it with the Martian Man and stuff. It was, it was almost like sort of like sort of two bites of the cherry because you had the scene where, for some bizarre reason, he was pretending to be Martha Kent to to bring Lois back to do whatever, and then you had the sort of end scene where you know he's just flying down to say good morning to Batman, you know, mm. knowing that Batman's just had a bit of a scary dream, and it was yeah. like give me one or the other. Yeah, yeah. Are we to take it from that then that General Lennox in Man of Steel is Martian Manhunter? I think yeah. we are. Yeah. 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 See yeah. again, shapeshifters. 
it, they do my fucking head in. It's a cop out. It, it's a cop out, isn't it? It's a cop out. It's an absolute <laughs> cop out because General Lennox is a well, character got, in his own right. What, what do you need to do, Marshall Madden? You've got two massive. You've got two massive cop outs there, haven't you? You've got it's a shapeshifter, and it was all a dream. Uh, uh, no, yeah. you got th- <laughs> guys. You got three because they lose, but hey, you've got time travel. Let's go back and put things right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh dear. But the thing is, that Martian Manhunter bit, the, the that that the bit where he was where he was Martha Kent, it didn't need to be Martian Manhunter because that is exactly what Martha Kent Martha that that scene played perfectly well. Yeah. With it being Martha Kent, I don't know that. It didn't need that. to be. It didn't need to be Martian Manhunter. That but was you've just... absolutely hit the nail on the head because that's exactly what I thought when when she came out of the room and then you know morphed into Martian Manhunter. I thought, bro, hang on. Why? Hang on, yeah. you've actually played it perfectly as Martha Kent would be. Why yeah. then have you? Ah, uh, it just it made. What is Martian well, Manhunter's yeah. purpose in in going to visit Lois State? He knows. He knows. Yeah, but he I can't remember what happened with her after it. I think she was trying to convince her to go back and and take back up her job at the Daily Planet. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, go back, you know, st- yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it, wasn't it? Move on, move on, basically. Um, but I, I sort of read are. into it that the fact was that. She needed to be back and out in the world because Superman was coming back. So if Martian Manhunter knew that, then we've got the sort of added sort of cyborg thing, which is ultimately at some point this is all going to go tits up, and yeah, at yeah. some point Superman is going to be turned. Yeah, hmm. presumably the dead body that Superman was crying over oh. is Lois. We also get the hint in this that Lois is pregnant, and you know because of the the, the birth control test in the drawer, pre- the pregnancy test. Plus, we also got Batman saying at the end, "Congratulations!" By the way, so I'm putting two and two together there. Uh, the end. If Martian Manhunter says, "Well, yeah," when he bought the farm back, he said, "Congratulations!" By the way, um, if Martian Manhunter knows that Superman's going to go bad, why is he in spite? Why is he? Pretended to be Martha to tell Lois to get back in the world. Exactly. For so I, yeah. I don't understand what, 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 the logic of that. There's, there's, there's certain things we have been very positive about this film, but there are certain things that, that don't really don't make sense about this film. And another, another, which I saw on that I've seen online uh, previously this week. I think it might have been James Hancock's video actually, where he says about um, Dark Side identifying in on Earth the the anti life um, code or whatever it was yeah. in the ground. Identification, equation, right? So if he knows that's on Earth, why does he need the three boxes to come together? You know, because, you know, it, it, it's kind of like, it starts at the start of the four of them and then at the end of the four of them, he comes, you know, he's coming to Earth kind of thing. But was is that a misstep in showing that in the first place? You know, d- d- does it actually take away the whole, is is the three boxes thing just this big MacGuffin, you know, because ultimately he's going to go to Earth anyway because he knows that that's there. What what yeah. is it about those three boxes that are going to allow him now to go back to it that he couldn't have done before? Exactly. Um, and ultimately, what does he do when this plot fails? He says, "Well, we're going to do things the old-fashioned way, and I'm going to send my armada." Yeah. So it's, it's so he, he almost said, "Fine, I'll do it myself then." Oh, yeah. but we down another fucking gauntlet there for comparisons. Wow. <laughs> so, guys, anyway, look, we, we we could do a whole other podcast picking apart the problems in the plot in both versions of this. Let, let's let's wrap things up then with your final thoughts on this version of the film, and God, this is going to be one of the hardest films to score personally from my point of view. But if we can then give it a score, as you know, as I said before, I had incredibly low expectations, and for and and, and for me, particularly where Superman's involved, I always you know I, I would always give things the benefit of the doubt. Very very low expectations. I I I actually enjoyed the film. Would I go so far as to say I really enjoyed it? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot far more than I expected. 
does that mean on a rewatch whenever I can find the half a day to rewatch it? Am I going to rewatch it? I, I, it's on telly now. It's on, it's on Sky as we're speaking now. Um, and I've caught bits and pieces of it. It's probably something that I will dip in and out of when it's on because it is such a mission to, to watch the whole thing. I'm really glad it got made. From being so sceptical about it, I, I'm really pleased that they did it because it's shown us, whereas I, as I said, was expecting it to be a load of reshoots and not the original version, mm. uh, the original vision rather. Uh, you know, it, it, it is the original vision. And it's actually made me want to revisit Man of Steel and Batman v Superman because it validates a lot of the things that were possibly issues before whether it will give me that validation or whether it will make me enjoy those other films uh, any more than I did, I don't know. But I, I am more intrigued to do so, whereas I was, as I said, I was done with them. I'm, re- I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm really pleased that, that, that it's been made. I'm pleased that it's come out. Um, I enjoyed it far more than I expected to. I, I, I will never watch the, the Josh Woden version again, because why would I? Why, why would I sit through t- two hours of bastardised uh, film when there is a far superior quality film there? Is it brilliant? No. Is it mag- is it a masterpiece? No, it's not. But what it does do is put a far more satisfying end. And if it, if this is the end of Zack Snyder's involvement in the universe, whatever comes next, I feel like I could dip into this film as probably after Wonder Woman and Man of Steel, the third best of the DC films, having not seen Shazam. Uh, and I would put it up there with that. As I say, don't get me wrong. It's because the the rest are pretty poor, but th- that's where it ranks for me. It, it's it's <laughs> it's probably the third best of the DC films at the moment. I'm going to give it a safe seven. Well, usually, Rich, I, I I'd have some sort of maybe pre thought out or, or or typed out sort of summation of a film, but I I can't add anything that you haven't already said perfectly there. To be honest with you, yeah, it's it's an improvement in a lot of ways more ways than it's you know a regression it's an improvement and i am like you say really glad that they've made this film and and the fact that it it got to address a lot of issues snyder was able to show us the film that he wanted to make from the start i'm all for filmmakers i think we all are yeah studios are usually the ones to stifle creativity and we're always the ones who want to see a filmmaker's vision put on screen and seeing this as Snyder intended whether we agree with a lot of the creative choices that he made and a person I think he still got an inherent misunderstanding of a lot of these characters and a lot of the mythology or, or maybe he's just got a different understanding to me but it, he, you know there's a lot of issues with you know I think the way that he's taken these characters but far from being a, a great film I think it's a much improved film and like I say I'm glad we've got it and even though getting through it was a bit of a slog, I do actually want to watch it again because I think I'm I'm always curious, you know, to to you know to, to pick out you know different you know things that I've seen in a film on a second and third viewing, and I think this film more than a lot of films I've seen recently. I think there's mainly because there's so much of it. There's four hours of the damn thing. And I think watching it again, I'm going to pick up maybe things I didn't you know notice first off, things that I may like you know better the second time, things that I may dislike more than I did on the first viewing. As far as the score goes, you've given it a, a pretty safe 7 out of 10. I wish I knew O'Neill was going to score it, but I think at the moment I'm probably edging towards a 6 out of 10. I think it's a much better film than it was. I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Do you, do you go by, when you score, because like, I'm going by my enjoyment, and I think when your expectations are so low, as I say, it's, it's the, like we said before, it's the, it's, it's the rewatch, isn't it? 
you know, as yeah. I say, I, I might be overscoring it and I might watch it again. And those those minor issues or, not, or those issues that I pointed out may be glaring. I might not be so generous. I might not be so forgiving of certain aspects. My my, my issues with it, Rich, are it, it's it's a lot of stuff that I was comfortable with. It's a lot of stuff that didn't piss me off in the way that Batman versus Superman did. But at mm. the same time, there's a lack of really standout, punch the air, amazing scenes like the warehouse fight and or or like just a lot of the character interactions in a lot of the marvel films which end up being my favorite scenes in a lot of the films there's just a lack of that here there's the little bit where alfred is fussing over the tea with with wonder woman you know nice little scenes like that but i I want it on a bigger scale with more profound dialogue and and just not getting it from these films, yeah, yeah. and I have to, I have to compare it to other films in 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 this sort of ballpark area, and other people are making this sort of film far better. So from that point of view, I can't go at the moment higher than a six, but I certainly think that you know if someone went in and took out a little bit more of the fat off this film, going maybe down to another three three and a half hour mark, I think you got a better film there. So I'm gonna reluctantly stay with the six, but like I say, it's been a very difficult film to me to judge just with a numeric. Yeah, I'm gonna, comes I'm Neil with his nine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah right. it's a perfect film. It's eleven. I'm gonna, I'm gonna literally take a little bit from both of you there. I enjoyed watching this film. I knew there was never going to be the second coming, the masterpiece of cinema that it was it was professed it was going to be. The years of speculation were never, you were always going to be on a sort of losing bet. Because when you've had the last two or three years of people sort of surmising about what could be little leaks and little snippets from like Bo Schneider and the, the stars of the movie and writers of the movie about what it could have been. It's never going to live up to the expectations. No. So I went into it with actually quite low expectations. I'm going to agree with Rich in the fact that I sat there for a four-hour movie. Uh, well, I sat there for a four-hour and twenty movie because I watched the, the 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 epilogue and then went back and had to watch it again, complete because of the technical issues I was having, and didn't at any time feel that it was a slog. But on reflection, there's certain parts that I have to agree with Sky with that, yeah. There are certain scenes in this film that are just way fattier than they should be. And if I look back at them with hindsight, they actually become a slog. I know that sounds strange. Yeah, I enjoyed the film. If I'm going to score this film, the original film, at best, I could give a four or five out of ten. I'd be more likely to say a four. Enjoyment side, yeah, okay. I'm going to score it, you know, roughly around the sort of seven sort of thing. Which, again, like Scully was saying consistently if i'm watching mcu stuff if i'm scoring a film a seven it's a poor example of an mcu film i most think we gave thor the dark world a seven didn't we when I was we say, most most of most of the films that i'm scoring in the mcu even films that i'm like nah, they're okay and like you know strong eight yeah. you know I mean, you know you've got the nines and tens quite frequently but at best, I can give this a seven i gotta be completely straight i've kind of done it now i've been on the roller coaster you know, I've looked at the, I've looked at it for years, and I thought, oh, I bet that'd be scary, and I bet that'd be exhilarating. And I've come off the roller coaster, and I've gone, okay, I've done it now. I don't need to do it again. I don't know at any point that I'm going to watch this film again. You know, like I said with Age of Ultron, I, I've seen Age, Age of Ultron. I think I was the third or maybe the fourth time I've seen it, and it was just more down to circumstance uh, with Jenny's little, and he's getting into the Avengers now, and he's getting into the sort of Marvel stuff. 
and we were going through, you know, different types of things. And I thought, oh, I'll put this on because he's a big Hulk fan. You know, the opening scene, you've got Hulk, you know, sort of raiding the 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 the, uh, the Hydra building. So I thought that'll grab his attention straight away. And I can see me revisiting films like that. There's certain films, like you say, maybe the Captain Marvel, maybe the, the Dark World, that if they were on TV or if they were on Netflix one night and I've gone through that sort of inevitable thing of looking at Netflix for about an hour thinking, what am I going to watch? And then just settling on something that I'll settle on one of those films. When am I going to have a time to say I'm going to settle on a four hour? Hmm. Exactly. It's not going to happen. I've done it. I've seen it. I kind of respect what he's done with it. I think he could have been a little bit more of a stream with it. I completely agree that, a three, I don't even think three and a half hour movie. I think there's a three hour movie there. But if you're going to give me a four hour movie, then I wanted a three hour Justice League movie and a one hour Superman movie. And mm-hmm. I didn't get that. The ending to this with the epilogue is where my goodwill gets tested. I, again, will agree with Rich. I've got no real problem with, with Leto's Joker because I don't think you really got to see Leto's Joker in the Suicide Squad. And again, what I did see of it. Is someone trying something different and a new take on a character? All right, it might not have worked. We didn't really get a chance to see if it did work. Bringing him back for this little sort of snippet at the end, I actually liked the exchange between him and Affleck. Batman saying, I will come back and I will fucking kill you is a little bit jarring. Yeah, okay, but it is what it is. We're watching a, a film which has been made, you know, the, the sort of diehard fans. It's not been made for general release. You know, I like the fact that he's telling he's telling him about Robin and he's telling him about Harley. I think that was great. Just to wake up at the end and go, ah! you know, the second or third time, I don't need to see that. The big sort of thing was we should have had Martian Manhunter. You've given it to us already, and then you do it again. So Batman, who for the entirety of Batman v Superman didn't trust this flying alien, suddenly sees a green flying alien landing on his patio. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm on board with that. So, yeah, great, okay. He just had a vision where the flying alien that you were initially suspicious of has just killed everyone again for the second yeah, yeah, time. Yeah. Now you've got a green flying alien landing. Yeah. Saying, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, okay, that's fine. Let's, let's go to work, buddy. Hey, careful now, Neil, because you're going to be talking yourself out of the seven. Are you yeah. sticking with the seven? I'm going to stick with a seven just for the experience of watching a film that I didn't think was ever I was ever going to see. Yeah, I no, I, I see what you're saying. Here, yeah. For the fact yeah. that I could watch a four-hour movie, like I say, and still not find it a slog. Yeah. But I honestly think if I'd gone to the cinema to see that, and none of this had ever happened, yeah, and it had just come out, Zack Snyder just made that film. It had been a four-hour film. He'd filmed it in whatever ratio he wanted. He'd put whatever, you know, bleary, dross fucking song on the top of Aquaman walking in slow motion for the 15th time <laughs> that, I, that I'd have come out and said... A best of six. But Axel Axel sitting on my sofa, enjoying a movie for four hours and thinking, wow, this is actually something that doesn't happen in recent memory. I can't think of a time this has happened. I'll score a seven as an act of good faith. It's very charitable, Neil. So there you go then. That's a seven, a six and a seven. So that gives a a film 89 verdict for Zack Snyder's Justice League of seven out of ten. Wow. So there you go. That's... um, that's a Marvel property, a DC property. Two episodes uh, in a row now, guys. The uh, you know the the dream team is uh, is back in full swing. And that, for what I saw on Friday morning, we we've, we've got a lot to talk about coming up soon with a certain other Marvel property that I think is yeah, after a good yeah, start. Yeah, certainly have. Definitely, definitely. 
So, uh, guys, where can people hit you up on social media if they want to vehemently disagree with what you've said about this film? I'm back on social media. You He's can back. Find, you can find me on Twitter again, people, but only if you want to. <laughs> At Neil underscore Gaskin. I, I, I'm there as well, reluctantly. Richard underscore Roberts. But, but, you know, like I said, I've still not had a letter yet from the last one, so it would be nice via Film 89 Towers. <laughs> yeah, please send Richie a letter. He's very old-fashioned. I just like to hold it. You can hit me up on Twitter and Facebook at Sky Movies. You can find us all at Film89UK on Twitter and Facebook and for us worth what it's worth on Instagram, not that we post anything on there. Uh, please, if you want to hit us up the old-fashioned way via email, you can find us all at admin at film89.co.uk. Please, 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 if you could, just find the time to leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot. Um, if you haven't already, give us a like and a subscribe. But, uh, yeah, thank you all for your continuing support. We, we love you all, guys and girls. Uh, we hope you've uh, enjoyed this two-hour discussion of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And uh, we look forward to uh, speaking to you all soon. So, like we usually say, is stay safe, be as happy as you can, but more importantly, stay classy. So I understand now that we're going to release this and then afterwards certain people are going to like it, certain people are going to dislike it. Rich is going to start leaking things to Twitter that you cut out a lot of what he'd said. I'm going to yeah. say that I had to come back and re-record stuff and I wasn't happy about it. And we're going to do this on the new platform, Film 89 2027 or something, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's all right. Then. As long as we can get some mileage out of it. It's going to be called. Uh, it's going to be called uh, Film Eighty Nine: The Jim Cottle Cut. <laughs> <laughs>